destruction. I prepare to anoint my spirit with this royal blood. Forged in the fires of hell. So, Reinhardt, you think to deny my destiny? Banished from the sight of man. Now, he has crossed into our world to reclaim his power. I know what you are, and I know why you are here. Chuck Norris is Shatter, bound to uncover more than a secret. Please. The man that was murdered last night on Polanski Street was a rabbi. According to the myth, the scepter was broken into nine sections. What kind of man kills like this? Well, not soon enough. Bound to face the most terrifying enemy he has ever known. The scepter is the key to the gates of hell. Who was it that ripped the heart right out of his chest? Have you any idea who I am? Introduce myself. Welcome to hell. Chuck Norris, Hellbound. Alrighty, and welcome everybody to another episode of Cinecult Podcast. I am your cult leader, Cordell, and with me is. Our great friend Luke, go ahead and say hi, man. What's up, everyone? So are you Jim Jones? Are you Charles Manson? Like, what what are we feeling here? Like, I got the Kool Aid all drilled up. Uh, I'm not quite sure yet. Give me some time. I have to think of my own brand. <laughs> and tonight, folks, we are. Well, the idea was to kind of get away from the horror genre, and I don't know if tonight's movie can really be considered horror. Maybe horror action? I don't know. It's debatable. We'll talk about it. There's elements. It is the 1994 Chuck Norris movie, Hellbound, which was, here's an interesting piece of uh, trivia right off the bat, the last film canon films ever made before they went bankrupt you know that's funny because the movie started and the canon logo came up and i uh had to like double check because i thought they were pretty much done by oh, like I... 19 uh 1992 or something but oh, dude, the I last one oh. i can't wait to get into it when we talk about canon like i looked at their resume of, like a lot of and i've apparently i've seen a lot of their stuff yeah, I mean, Canon, I'm, just, um, I'm a big fan of most of their stuff. I mean, like American Ninja, that's fantastic. Texas Chainsaw 2, their stuff with Toby Hooper, I think, is great. Life Force is criminally mm-hmm. underrated, although I think that movie's starting to get a, get a fan following these days. Invasion USA, the mis- Missing in Action films. I mean, when you look at it, Canon is really where a lot, Chuck Norris got a lot of his fame in the 80s. Well, I'll I'll rely on you, Cordell, to kind of speak to that, because I'm not going to lie to you. This is my first Chuck Norris action movie I've seen. 
that you've ever seen? Well, if you don't count the Expendables too, but he's only in that movie for like five minutes. Hold up, time out, pause, like just screech into a halt. This is aside of Expendables, this is the one of the first Chuck Norris movies you've ever seen. Yeah, man. Holy I never was a big Chuck Norris shit. guy. Well, we'll talk about it when we get into it. I do want to talk about Chuck Norris simply, you know, where you kind of rank him when it comes to, like, the iconic action stars. Um, But before we get into the movie, uh, we should probably start this off with what you've been watching. Well, hold up there, Cordell. I have a, I have a quick little rant. Uh-oh. You're going to like this. So I was, I was listening to a podcast. I won't name it. One A bigger horror one. And their host had a rant, right? Which, you know, leads into my rant. But the guy basically uh, was like, yeah, way too many people listen to podcasts. And they're like, oh, I should start my own podcast. They do their own podcast. And guess what? It's fucking shit. You know, I take offense to that. And not just because, you know, uh, we're on one of those podcasts that uh, Cordell very graciously kind of uh, adopted me onto. But at the end of the day, dude, podcasting is about having fun like we're just here to shoot the bull right that's like we don't I'm give a shit if nobody listens yeah I do. um I mean, but you know I, what i just want to i just wanted to do a little shout out to all the little indie podcasts and yeah a lot of it is just like useless crap and 99 percent of the people will not listen to this but you know what don't be hating on the small podcasters so shout out to all of our fellow small indie podcasters yeah, if you, I mean, if you listen to a podcast and you want to start a podcast, get a computer, get a microphone, find somebody to talk to and just go for it. Like, you know, I think I've mentioned on here already, you know, I've given a shout out to some of my favorite podcasts that inspired me to do this. You know, Now Playing, uh, Nudie Show, NFW, Star Wars. All My Heroes Wear Masks. All My Heroes Wear Masks, definitely, definitely that one. That was one of the first horror podcasts I ever listened to. So, I mean, if it, if I hadn't started listening to them, I would not be here at this desk tonight. So definitely a shout out to, you know, the predecessors that built the bricks for us. Yeah, and uh, we know, yeah, what has it been? Two months, Cordell, since we've been? Just uh, so the listeners know, Cordell, like, we've both had some big life events, some moves going on. Uh, yes, we, it's Cord- been about since May when we made our last podcast. You know, we've kind of been moving. I just got my own place again. Yeah, two months, we say, at the at the end of August. You know, no biggie. So... <laughs> So, yeah, we just had some real life stuff, but don't worry, the cynical is here to stay. I oh, think. yeah, we're here. You know, I, and you know, for people who do follow the show and listen, it's not like I purposely try to go away for like three to four months on end. It's just, you know, we're lucky enough to at least still come back and pump out a show as much as we can. Most Most podcasts that I know of, when their hosts start to get too busy, they just retire the show. Oh, yeah, there's so many that just, like, drop off the face of the earth. And I'm, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not retiring the show. 
I will keep finding a way sometime to do this until I die. But we keep you on your toes. Yes, exactly. Or the, the sneak attack. Like Chuck Norris, you know, in a darkly lit room where you can't tell what's going on. More on oh, that later. I cannot wait to talk about the... Like, I cannot find the budget for this film anywhere. I think it's so... I don't think they want people to know how much this movie cost. Oh, so what do you want to do, Cordell? You want to do some horror news? You want to do what you've been watching? Because there's been a ton of stuff happening. I want let's to pick your what, brain about. Let's do what you've been watching, and then we'll go into the horror news. All right. Who so, goes first? You go first. I go first. You always go first. I always let the... Oh. Yes, go first. Oh, man. Now I got to scroll all the way back and letterbox here. Christ. Well, it's been a summer's. I don't know about you. I always watch less movies in the summer, usually because I'm I'm out and about doing stuff, <clears throat> getting laid. <laughs> Let's see what do we got here. All right, first one I'll hit you up with. I watched is a little movie called Angel Heart from 1987. You heard of this, Cordell? No. So I'm wandering through like Best a- Buy. It's not a porno, is it? Because that's kind of what it sounds like. <laughs> Almost, believe it or not. Um, so I'm wandering through Best Buy. And I see this good-looking steelbook. Real tough. I think it was only 20 bucks. Studio Canal logo, so you know the transfer is good. It's a movie I've been wanting to watch for a while. Um, directed by Alan Parker. And here's the setup. Tell me if this intrigues you, Cordell. We got Mickey Rourke. In the 1950s, as a down-on-his-luck private eye with all the smoky, you know, cigarette smoking that entails, he gets hired by Robert De Niro to go track down this missing singer who's uh, basically been missing since the end of World War II when he got wounded. This guy owes De Niro a debt, and De Niro is willing to pay Mickey Rourke a ton of money to track this guy down. And you get the impression... Uh, it's not exactly for good good purposes, right? Hmm. So it's uh it turns into like a film noir. So uh Mickey Rourke goes around um, through New York and gets into like the corrupt doctors who like have covered up with this guy that you think he's institutionalized but he's not. And it, the trail leads him down to New Orleans and in, I won't spoil it, but into like some voodoo stuff. And the kicker is that everyone who Mickey Rourke keeps interrogating, well, sooner or later, they end up getting butchered. Um, and we got some gory stuff in here. I was like, this and, guy uh, want to be found. He, uh, he ends up, like, hooking up with Lisa Bonet of uh, the Cosby Show fame. But, yeah, it's just a... It's a good little noir thriller, um, you know, as the detective who gets in over his head and there's plot twists. And, uh, yeah, I just I had a really good time with it. It's uh, it's very horror adjacent. Right. Like we have I'm bloody killings. We have voodoo. So it's 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 a solid watch. I had a lot of fun with it and uh, I highly recommend picking it up. It's I think you get that nice steelbook edition, 4K and Blu-ray special features. Now I sound like a shill, but uh, yeah. I, I know, but it's Solid just stuff. It's just I'm amazed that you found it at Best Buy. Since when does Best Buy have anything anymore? Dude, I walked into I walked into Best Buy. They had a little mini rack of Scream Factory stuff. I was uh, shocked. Oh, dude, I'm 
I've been like tearing ass everywhere I go looking for. So just to kind of go on a tangent, I'm trying to find all the Maniac Cop movies on Blu-ray because I actually want physical copies, not just watching them on streaming sites. I forgot you are the biggest world's biggest Maniac Cop fan. Oh, you should see. Uh, I'm going to be putting a Maniac Cop costume together soon, and I've actually been in the process of building his baton. Well, did you uh, did you pick up the Blue Underground Blu-rays of two and three? I have not. I've tried. I went on eBay. I went on Amazon, and it, those those fucking copies are like so expensive, dude. I know they just put out they just put out the 4Ks of two and three. Oh, I definitely don't need 4K, but oof. now what's what's interesting about Maniac Cop? Did you know this, Cordell? If you get the Synapse Blu-ray of the first one, it's actually uh, this really pisses me off. It's missing the commentary track, and I don't know if you're a big commentary guy or not. Sometimes it depends on how much I want to know about the making of the movie. But um, if you get the uh, – there's, like, an old special edition DVD with, like, kind of like a weird CGI Cordell on the front. You know what I'm talking about? I think I do know what you mean. Yeah, let, me just, let me send you a photo of this, you know, on our very professional podcast. Um, but, yeah, so that um, – I only have the DVD. I, refu- I refuse to get the Blu-ray. Not be, I mean, and actually, I've kind of read like middling reviews on the Blu-ray of Maniac Cop, but that just I'm like, why can't you keep the freaking uh, commentary and special features? Well, I don't really know too much about what goes into the process for that. To, if I'm going to be honest with you, I mean, sometimes I like a director's commentary. Like when I got the special edition for my bloody Valentine, but most often than not, I don't really deal with the uh, director's commentaries. Oh, it looks like that Synapse Blu-ray might be out of print, actually, of the first one. Yeah, it always kind of weirded me out that, like, uh, Bill Lustig has the rights to 2 and 3, but he can't put out the first one. Uh, oh, yeah, Bill Lustig. I was... Did you hear that there's supposedly a Maniac Cop reboot still going on? There's a TV series coming, right? Yeah. By uh, a guy whose name I can never pronounce, Nicholas Winding Riff. However you say his last name, Riffin yeah. or whatever. Yeah, as far as I heard, that's still happening, so. Yeah, back in 2017, uh, not Lustig, but Larry Cohn, who wrote the Maniac Cop films, he was like, no, those aren't happening anymore. Well, then Larry Cohn passed away, and from what I understand, the TV series is still going. It's, yeah, I mean, looking forward to that. So, it'll be interesting to see. And then I saw another one. If I don't know if I read this correctly, but what I, from what I understand, there's two different Maniac Cop uh, reboots happening. There's the TV show, 
But then I also heard that Paramount Pictures or something is also trying to make a Maniac Cop reboot that's just going to be called Cop. I don't know if there's any truth to that. I haven't heard nothing else about it. But. Hmm. That would be interesting. But, uh. What else have you been watching? Oh, man. Let's see here. Angel Heart was the big one. I watched Demons, if you ever saw that. That's always a fun watch. Is that the uh, Demons? Is that Dario Argento? Yeah, he uh, he shepherded Lamberto Bava in making that. Uh, that's on Shudder. And oh, it's a, I've heard of Lamberto Bava. And I think I've heard of his father, Mario Bava. Oh, you got to have heard of Mario Bava Cordell. He basically is the father of Italian horror. As I know, Mario Bava. Didn't Mario Bava, isn't he the one that made, uh, oh my gosh, I know they reviewed, I know they reviewed it on All My Heroes, Twitch of the Death Nerve, a.k.a. Bay of Blood. Yes, great little movie. Yep, there was a kill in that movie that inspired the Spielberg scene in Friday the 13th Part 2. You know what's funny is I uh, I actually watched half of that movie a couple weeks ago, um, like fell asleep to it, and dude, the, that that scene is like r- ripped directly for Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. I didn't realize it, but literally it's shot for shot. Like they're as soon as you see it, you're like, oh, they just Steve Miner and Sean Cunningham or whoever, they just ripped it off. That's funny. It's uh, and it's done better in Bay of Blood because they don't have to. It's not censored. So you actually see like them worving when you know when they're impaled. It's uh, it's good stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean the big one I think I'll hit you with is I saw the new Predator movie Prey on mm-hmm. Hulu. Did you catch that one, Cordell? Yes, I did. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, man. I thought it was uh, it was a tight little. You know, one-shot Predator movie. I thought the gore was good. The action was cool. And, uh, yeah, I mean, no complaints from me. Everyone, like, I was seeing the reviews for this, and everyone was like, oh, it's so gory. It's so gory. The movie's about as gory as every other Predator movie I've seen. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not, like, overly gory. Hell, I think the 2018 film was a bit more gory than Prey. But I mean, when the predator gets to work, he uh, he does some good good damage. It was nice to see the. Pre- I was interested to see how the predator, you know, took the skin and the flesh and everything off of his skull trophies. Though that was interesting. Yeah, I liked uh, I liked how he built up, you know, uh, with the snake and then the wolf and the bear. Could we kind of discuss something here? So this movie takes place like. In, like, the 1600s, 1700s, right? Yep. And this predator pops off something off of his suit, sprays his trophy with it, and it causes all the flesh and everything to melt till it's just the skull. So why the hell in Predator 2 with Danny Glover did that predator have, like, this whole thing cooked up where he was, like, boiling it? Oh, Cordell, Cordell, Cordell. I'm asking the questions that matter. 
<laughs> You're not supposed to ask those questions, sir. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, it was kind of... Uh, uh, there really wasn't too much of that. The movie was good. I was, like, really into it, you know. And I actually plan on going back and watching it with the Comanche dub. Yeah, that's what I that's what I said I want I want to do as well. Um but yeah, I mean just uh dude like uh the scene in the fog when the predator just like takes on all the all the trappers. Oh, fantastic stuff. That was fun. I really did like that scene. Um I like yeah, it when, I, mean, I like it when that one trapper tries to shoot him and it just causes the bullet to bounce back and hit him. <laughs> <laughs> I like the uh the net that like uh shrinks down and like slices him to pieces. Oh, that was pretty good. They never show the person get sliced to pieces, but we do see the bloody aftermath. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um you know what that movie really felt like to me? Uh there's a bunch of like one-off kind of like dark horse comics about the predator uh from like the 90s and onwards and I thought this movie really did a good job of like capturing that feel right of like just like a one-off stick the predator you know with the native americans and uh let them loose kind of thing and uh i mean i loved it. i hope we get more you know like just keep it going stick the predator you know with uh i don't know stick them in feudal japan stick them in medieval europe just i have go. two i have two ideas do you want to hear them hell yeah I'm still waiting for my term for my uh, Predator versus Terminator. All right. Yeah, I, that would be cool. Haven't they done that in like comics or a game or something? Yeah, they did it in the comics. I think they also did it with the Terminator and the Alien too. That's interesting. And then get me the Predator in World War Two, just fucking skinny Nazis like back and forth. Oh, that would be cool. Oh, you know what I what I heard what I'd like to see is uh like Desert Storm. Oh my god. Put the Predator up against like a squad of like US US guys in uh the Middle East. That'd be cool. But uh yeah, I mean I I'm not I mean I know a lot of people are like blowing the movie. Like I've seen a lot of like, oh this is the best Predator movie ever and like nah. Like for me, it's not it's not as good as the first one or probably even the second. But uh, yeah, I mean it's it's certainly a hell of a lot better than better than the Predator. I just say better. Come on. <laughs> well, now the Predator was that the 2018 movie? Yes. You see, you know, I like the 2018 movie, and I was really intrigued with that Predator killer suit. I just don't think the movie was executed right. I mean, I'll be controversial, Cordell. Everyone hate a lot of people hate that movie. I I think it's a little underrated. Um, I mean, I I think it's sloppy. But if you if you look into the behind the scenes stuff about how basically they like scrapped a ton of the stuff, like so much of that movie is reshoots. And uh, I mean, I think it's sloppy. It's literally about a predator trying to abduct a child. Um, no, I mean. I, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I have a soft spot for that movie. I don't think it's as bad as everybody's. Everybody seems to think it is. It's got some good scenes, like the predator busting out of the hospital. You know, it I think the look of the I'm when the bigger, right now 
it is still better than AVP Requiem. Well, everything's better than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's underrated a bit. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I think the Predator suit at the end is pretty cool. Even if it is just like, you know, an Iron Man ripoff or something. <laughs> but yeah, Prey, check it out. Good stuff. Definitely. We might have to cover that in the future if we ever get to the Predator franchise. Uh, just a couple others I've been watching, some uh, some catch-ups of some 2020 movies. Um, Underwater, did you hear of that one? Nope. That was a little, uh, think Alien, slash Aliens, but it's like against Lovecraftian sea creatures at the bottom of the ocean with uh, Kristen Stewart, T.J. Miller, a couple other people. It was all right. Uh, you know, like a 90-minute little thriller. Um, I saw this slasher film called The Last Matinee from Uruguay. Have you heard of this one? I'm trying to think. I don't think I have, but I have heard of a. I've heard of a whole of a slasher movie that revolves around a, somewhat like someone killing people at the movies, but I don't know if it's that one. Probably so. Um, this is a really good throwback, like no bare bones. Basically it's uh, rainy. It's like a rainy afternoon at a theater in Uruguay. It's set in the 1990s. And basically this killer just rolls up, parks his car, walks inside and starts killing people inside the movie. (laughs) Simple as that. Um, you have a projectionist who's running it. You know, you have your usual characters, like couples out on dates, you know, teens who are just there to get drunk and stoned. And, uh, yeah, this guy, this brutal killer, just goes around stabbing people through the head, taking out eyeballs. And the whole time, the projectionist, uh, who's their main character, like, is slowly starting to catch on, like, people are disappearing. And it's it's just a fun little slasher film, you know. There's there's not much to it, um, but it's gory. It's got good effects. It looks good, and yeah, I mean it's it's solid. I recommend I for that. Wanted to do that when people talk to in the movie though, at the theater. Oh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, he takes a couple making out, right? I'll spoil this for you. He he takes a piece of uh, rebar, you know, one of those metal poles. Oh boy. They're making out, grabs a hold of their heads, shoves it through both of their skulls. And it is amazing. Holy shit, how much strength do you have to have for that, though? Oh, well, let's not think about that. <laughs> oh boy. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all I all I got. And well, for me, I really haven't been watching too many I've been watching more TV than I have movies, like Netflix. You know, I've been kind of binge-watching NCIS a lot, trying to get ready for the new season coming out in a month. Okay. Um, let's see, but there was a couple movies that I haven't seen that I've watched. I watched a Tommy Lee Jones movie called U.S. Marshals. Oh, isn't that a, is that a spinoff of The Fugitive? I believe so. I've never seen The Fugitive. Okay. Um, Pretty good? Oh, I liked it. It was, uh, 
honestly, when I was watching it, I got the movie confused with The Fugitive. So, like, I'm knowing, I, like, know all these classic lines from The Fugitive, and I'm watching this, and I'm like, what the fuck? Isn't Tommy Lee Jones supposed to, like, stand up on a car and yell out orders to a bunch of cops? Like, what the fuck's going on? (laughs) Where's Harrison Ford? Yeah, I'm like, okay, this is the wrong movie. Because I was like, he's supposed to be chasing Harrison Ford, who is this black man. Not to be racist. <laughs> oh, uh, um, good movie, though? Or? Oh, yeah, it's definitely, if it's a spinoff of The Fugitive, I definitely want to watch The Fugitive, just so I can understand this movie a lot better. Yeah, I'm I'm a big Tommy Lee Jones fan. Oh, dude, Tommy Lee Jones. He makes any movie fun that he's in. He's Batman a... Forever, Captain America. Many oh more. man, those those are what you go to. Well, usually when I think of Tommy Lee, I think I immediately go to Men in Black. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where I go to. Okay, I guess let me. There is one movie that I have watched that I sat down a couple nights ago and I watched it for the first time. And oh my fucking god, was I, did I want my time back? Oh, what was it? Spawn. Oh, the uh, the '90s superhero movie, right? let's be very generous with the word superhero. I know he's supposed to be a superhero. That is not what I get from this guy. Oh my gosh, dude. I sat down and I was watching this. And like, I went into the movie knowing that it, it had a bad CGI and everything. Like I went in with my guard up. I was not expecting my god to constantly get pummeled, though. That bad, huh? It is... Oh, my God. The movie, I don't think... From what I've read on the behind the scenes is... They had plot lines that they were going to follow through on. And they end up... They ended up not having the time. They ended up running out of money. So they had to cut plot lines. They had to cut characters. Like, there's a woman in the movie. She plays like a henchwoman for the main bad, for one of the main bad guys. And you're like, oh, they're setting her up to be like a semi-big boss for Spawn. No, she's taken out like right away. Just pointless, uh, pointless plot line. It was, I mean, I mean, have you ever seen this movie? Nah, I haven't. I've, I've heard it's terrible. <laughs> In the CGI, like, when we, you want to talk about bad CGI, when we get the scenes of Spawn going to hell, it so looks like a 90s PC computer graphic. Really? Like, even but, worse, worse than the usual 90s CGI? <laughs> The demon Malbolgia, and then they try, they CGI'd all the occupants of hell, which is supposed to be his army. It was so bad, dude. So what motivated you to sit down and watch it? Well, 
I, I've always liked Todd McFarlane. You know, I, I think he's he makes awesome action figures. My mom even had some of his, you know, movie maniacs figures from the 90s. And, you know, I looked at the cover and it's like, you know, the character design of Spawn looks cool. Yeah, he's, I, I haven't read Spawn, but I mean, I've you know seen like uh, pick stills and uh, yeah, he's a, he's a cool looking hero. Yeah, he looks awesome. But and then, and then I watched it and I was like, you know, this is a great idea, but this is shit. And I think I I'll tell you immediately where I knew that I wasn't gonna have a good time with the movie. You've got John Leguizamo as um that big fat clown character the violator yeah and yeah he's just constantly cracking jokes you know talking putting down spawn making fun of the fact that he can't be with his girlfriend no more saying oh watch i'm gonna give your girl she's gonna get my head check out my head girl just all these like jokes that were not funny i was not having a good time with this movie so if anyone ever wanted us to talk about spawn on this show that's a negative ghost writer you might want to think i might have to set up a patreon before <laughs> i even consider that you start doing that, people start giving you just the bad, uh, the bad stuff they want you to see. Though, just gotta be careful. Yeah, that is true. So, other than that, I really haven't been watching a whole lot of films. Mostly, it was just Spawn and U.S. Marshals. And Prey. So, then I mean, there were some movies I want to watch. Um. Obviously, I told you I want to get Maniac Cop on Blu-ray. You know another movie that I've been trying to look for to buy? What's up? John Carpenter's The Fog. The Fog? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a... That has a really good Scream Factory blue... If you're just looking to stick to Blu-ray, which it sounds like you are, that has a pretty good Scream Factory one that you can have for relatively cheap. Actually, uh, let's see, 20 bucks, but I've definitely seen it at like 13, something like that. Well, I bought the, um, I collect, you know, remember how I collect the NECA figures? Yeah. Well, I've also started buying the NECA Toonie Terrors that they sell. Ah, so you got the, uh, Captain Blake, huh? Yes, and now I want the official captain blake figure where his eyes light up because that figure is awesome i know is that uh is that still available i don't even know it's still available i see it around for sale on places so but yeah that's all i've been watching hey have you seen the fog cordell i have not seen the fog which is why i want to get it oh dude you're gonna love it so atmospheric, it's great. I know they remade it, but I heard the remake was bad. 
Yeah, just forget about the remake. Stick with the Carpenter <laughs> original. You're like, just, you're like, nah, 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 just don't, we don't. No, there, there is no remake. That's, that's with, all, with most of those, right? Like, There's no remake? What? There's no Terror Train remake. They remade Prom Night? Oh, my God. That movie is terrible. Although, interestingly enough, there is a Terror Train remake coming out, I think, next year from Tubi, of all places. So that's oh kind of good. That's kind of interesting. Oh, you know what? Um, no, let me take that back. There is another movie that I did watch. I don't know if I discussed this on my last show already, but um, you said Tubi, and that reminded me. So I watched a movie on Tubi that was called Reichsführer SS. Have you ever heard of this? I can't say I have. How was it? So, for people who are wondering, the term Reichsführer SS was a title that was held by a man named Heinrich Himmler. Himmler was one of the most prominent Nazis in Hitler's government. He was the man responsible for the Holocaust. So, Watching uplifting stuff, Cordell. Yes, very uplifting. Well, I thought this movie was going to be uplifting because... They sell the movie as in Himmler commits suicide and now he's being tortured in hell. What? So I thought (laughs) I was going to get a movie, a horror movie about a notorious Nazi being tortured and haunted by demons and stuff like that. That is not what we get. Okay, first of all, is this movie, like, made on a legit budget, or is it, like, some cheap, like, filmed in someone's basement kind of thing? Oh, it is so fucking cheap. The... <laughs> That's I, awesome. I will say that the costuming is pretty decent in some scenes. Like, if they had a budget, they spent it on the Nazi uniforms. Um, do you, okay, do you want me to kind of describe what hell looks like? Dude, hit me with it. Is it just a red sheet? Tell me it's just a red sheet. <laughs> it's no, it's not just a red sheet, but it's the guy playing Himmler chained and shackled in basically a box room, and they just got like smoke everywhere and like neon green and different colored lights in the background to kind of give it like that eerie atmosphere. Is this just like is this just like someone's fetish video they turned into a movie? Because I've seen a couple movies like that, right? Like some pieces of shit like shot on video, like this dude's in a cage getting tortured by a woman for 90 minutes, right? And it's just utter dog shit. And you're just like, this has to be like this guy just made this because he wants to like you know jerk off to it, right? Like, <laughs> hold on, let me let me quickly look up the movie here. Let me see if they have a budget listed for it. And yes, that is a diss on the movie Backwoods Marcy. And all of you people who are paying for the Vinegar Syndrome, like limited slipcover edition of that shot on VHS piece of shit, are fools. I'm standing by that terrible movie. Okay, so do you want me to... um... Dude, I gotta hear more. (laughs) Okay, so let me read to you the... uh... The plot on IMDb. 
The Reichsführer SS Heinrich Himmler was Adolf Hitler's most loyal henchman and one of the most feared men of World War II. Surprisingly, he had only one issue. He had no stomach for murder. When the, S- when the Reichsführer becomes physically ill during an execution on the Eastern Front, ruthless SS General Hans rats Himmler out to the Fuhrer. Hitler tests his loyal Heinrich, forcing him to commit the murder of a Polish prisoner named Dan- Danuta at his own hands, thus awakening the monster within him that will horrify the world for generations. Himmler may please the- his Fuhrer in 1941. But what awaits him after he commits suicide in 1945 is nothing less than hell itself. See what happens when Himmler meets Erebus, the gatekeeper of hell. See the nightmarish suffering that awaits the infamous Nazi monster who murdered millions. Wait a second, Cordell. I'm looking at this on IMDb. It says more like this. The more like this is all this like... uh... Direct, directed by a man by name David B. Stewart III. Oh, he's got the third in his title. And he also plays Himmler, it looks like. Yes. See, this is exactly, and look, you know what's funny is I know there's those horror people, right, who are like, oh, you know, there, there's art, right? And these people who go out and make, like, this crappy movie for, like, you know, a thousand bucks or whatever. And uh, look, some of those people are legit, like just trying to do the best they can. They're making good art, right? Blah, blah, blah. But you know what? There is for every person who's trying to be a good actual, you know, filmmaker, there's a million more who just are producing this utter shit. And you know what? Some people just have to accept that, uh, you know, uh, some of this stuff is just crap. (laughs) We take no prisoners here on the Cynical Podcast. We call it as it is. I'm looking at trivia for Reichsführer SS. Apparently this guy, David B. Stewart, he also made some other, like, cheap movies. Friday the 13th Part X to Hell and Back. Operation Nazi Zombies. What the hell? I am so confused now. You're going you're going down. You're going down in the depths, Cordo. I Well, the best way to really uh describe this movie to the listeners is Have you ever heard of the term Nazi exploitation? Yeah, there's a bunch of those films from the 70s like uh Love Camp 7, uh I Ilsa. think the best known is Ilsa, yeah. Well, that's pretty much how I would describe this movie is this is kind of like a Nazi exploitation. There's nudity in the film. There's really, really cheap gore effects, if I'm going to be honest with you. And, oh, I believe you know, like I was saying, I went into this hoping for like a good exploitation movie to see a Nazi get tortured by demons. I mean, who doesn't want to see that? Exactly. But I don't know if it's how the movie was cut, how the movie was put together. But I did not feel like I got the movie they promised me. (laughs) So I actually might review it on this show sometime. Oh, Jesus. I will suck up to you and have you watch it with me. (laughs) And then we can just go on and talk about how shitty it is. 
We'll uh, we'll table that discussion. Yeah, let's put a pin in that. <laughs> All so, right, we got we got Nazi exploitation. Yeah, so we got I'm NCIS. A, you know what's the difference? Yeah, well. My taste is all over the place. Uh, so, you've been teasing me with some horror news, so shall we go into that? Yeah, there's been a lot going on the past uh, past couple months. Um, maybe you got a better, better list than I do, Cordell, but, I mean, first of all, do you see the new Halloween Ends trailer? Oh my fucking, I'm so ready for that. Oh, you're excited for it. Hell yeah, Halloween Kills is like my favorite of the franchise next behind the original Halloween. Yeah, I mean, I think the, so the uh I know some people don't watch the trailers, but I was pretty happy cuz this trailer like really didn't give anything away besides the fact that uh Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers are going to face off again. But, yeah, I mean, I'm psyched, dude. I mean, even if I'm excited to see them finally, like, try to put a put a pin in it. Yeah, I think they realize that people are a little pissed off that Lori and Michael didn't get a face off in the last movie. But, you know, that's to be expected. The last movie picked up the same night as the 2018 film and she got stabbed in the gut. It's not like she was going to be able to do much. Yeah, I know. They had all the, the pointless, like, totally pointless scene of, like, Jamie Lee being like, oh, I, I can get back out there, and then promptly getting, like, punched in the stomach and going back to bed. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. I but, was... yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm, I think Halloween Kills is pretty solid, and, uh, I mean, just, you know, look, this franchise has no no end of, of dumb dumb endings i mean it has to be better than michael myers getting his head chopped off i think it's gotta be a lot better than trick or treat motherfucker i don't know if anything tops rob zombies ending though you, you like the zombie movies cordo i like the first zombie movie i wasn't a fan of the second one i love how the first one ends you know it's just like fuck you laurie strode just gets on top of him sticks the gun in his face pulls the trigger cut the black that's uh, that's how you end a freaking movie, man. But yeah, I definitely watched the trailer to that. Me and my girlfriend might go see it. Sweet. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah, it's it's a big franchise year. I mean, I got a couple lovers. Uh, have you seen the movie Terrifier? I have not, but I am familiar with what you speak. Art the clown. Terrifier 2 is coming out this October. I'm a big Terrifier fan. Terrifier is kind of like that movie, uh, the last matinee I was talking to you. Terrifier is just a a bunch of people are wandering in the city. They run into Art the Clown, slam, bam, and they just get brutally, brutally killed. Um, Big fan of it. I mean, it's just a series of set pieces at the end of the day. But uh, Art the Clown is fantastic. He makes that movie. The guy who plays him is so good. So, yeah, I mean, I'm so excited for Terrifier 2. I actually have not seen the trailer. Uh, I'm going to try and go see it in theaters. Um, Just go in blind. But, yeah, super excited for that. Did you see the teaser that Hulu put out for the upcoming Hellraiser? 
that was the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah, um, not too much. I mean, we just got the briefest glimpse of Pinhead, which looks like Pinhead. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as I could tell, this is finally, at long last, a legit Hellraiser sequel. You know, none of this direct-to-video... Well, it is direct-to-streaming, but it sounds like they actually have some money, a budget. So, yeah, if they didn't have a budget, I doubt Hulu would even be putting a stamp on this. I mean, who if they uh, if they can do that really well, Hulu's on a roll. Well, it's interesting because they just announced that uh, when Halloween Ends comes out to theaters, it's also going to be same day come out to Peacock as well. Yeah, what do you think about that? I'm I'm not too happy with that. I. I mean, I don't really I, care. I think it's a gamble. I mean, because people could, but then again, you have to pay to watch the movie on Peacock. So, I mean, at the end of the day, Blumhouse is still getting some kind of revenue from that. But my personal feeling is if you're trying to, you've had this success, this much success with Halloween and theaters, just go for the gold. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I can only speculate. I mean, obviously, you have the, the people who are, um, I'll use the term doomer, who are like, oh, they're putting it on Peacock because they know it sucks because half of the horror community hates Halloween kills, if you didn't know that already. Oh, dude, seriously. Like, I'm uh, somewhere out there, Cordell, right now, someone is furiously getting mad just because we were like, we liked Halloween kills. Oh, and I know. I, I feel sorry for you, sir, or ma'am, whoever you are. (laughs) I have never seen a movie. Do you remember when we talked about Scream 2022 and we kind of went on the the rant that the movie did about gatekeepers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's all those people are, the gatekeepers. All right, we're just going to rehash this. But, I mean, it just blows my mind still that people are like, Halloween Kills is the worst horror movie I've ever seen, and it's just it's it's really not that bad like I, I, I don't understand the hate people have for it i really don't um i don't know as best i can as best i can figure cordell i think most people agree that 2018 halloween is really is pretty good i think a, the majority of people are pretty happy with that and i think maybe they had very high expectations coming into halloween kills um and when it turned out to kind of just be like a another, I mean, because that movie is really treading water, right? It's just an excuse to get Michael Myers in there and fuck everybody up. But I'm going to tell you this right now. It exceeded my expectations. I actually thought Halloween Kills was even more fun than the 2018 film. That's I what i from that because I, you know, I went into Halloween Kills thinking like, oh, well, what's this about? And then when I started reading the articles, oh, there's going to be more blood. There's going to be more killing in it. I got excited. I got I got the Michael Myers that I wanted, the vicious, brutal Michael Myers, without the stupid backstory hillbilly feel of Rob Zombie. <laughs> you, you don't want the Rob Zombie uh, fuck you for like a half hour straight? No, I do not. I do not <laughs> want that. 
Yeah, that's that's where I really think because um, what I really love about Rob Zombie's movies, and this is turning into Halloween podcast, so I'm sorry, folks, but I mean Rob Zombie just nailed the brutality as he always does. And these new movies, I mean Halloween Kills, basically they already made him brutal in 2018, but they basically took Rob Zombie's Michael Myers and stuck him into a a town full of people hunting him. And yeah, I mean that's all I really wanted from it. Now. Does the movie go on too long with all that stupid hospital stuff? Yeah, it does. But at the end of the day, every 15 minutes or so, Michael Myers just fucks somebody up. And I don't know what more you want. (laughs) This is what I am going to say, though. This is why I will ding Blumhouse. Is when they did the 2018 film, they said, we're getting rid of the supernatural element. We're getting rid of the sister plot. We're just going back to basics. This is going to be a direct sequel to the original where he was a crazy man stalking a woman. And then they went and made him the Terminator in Halloween Kills. In Halloween Kills, at the end, they start getting into all that supernatural talk of every time he kills, he gets stronger. He's not human. It's like, you're kind of sliding back into that supernatural that you said you weren't going to do. Well, because... at the, at the end of the day, every movie has to end with him getting, like, you know, what would be fatally killed. You know what I mean? So if you're going to if you're gonna approach a franchise and you're going to say we're not just going to make it a one-off, which 2018 could have been, um, you kind of – you just have to accept that, you know, Michael Myers just uh, – he can take so much abuse and just keep on ticking – Which makes me wonder how they're going to finally deal with him in the next movie. It'll be, I don't know. I'm I'm waiting to see how they deal with that. Like, are they finally going to kill Michael Myers? Or are they going to finally kill Lois Strode? See, it's funny, Cordell, because I'm actually going in a little arms crossed. Because I know, are you aware of what time period the Halloween ends takes place in? Or are you unspoiled on that? I know that it's going to take place like five years later and they are going to deal with like the issue with COVID. Okay, see, that makes me really suspicious because at the end of Halloween Kills, Michael Myers has like in one night, uh, our homies slaughtered like 30 freaking people. And you're telling me he just like went and hid under a rock for four years? I don't know. They they better have some damn good explanation. <laughs> yeah, when you stop and think about that, because when you look back at the rest of the franchise, like between Halloween 2 and 4, he was in a coma for 10 years. And then between Halloween 4 and 5, he just took a magic nap. And then in Halloween 5 and 6, he was getting taken care of by the, the cult of Thorn that everyone loves. And then we don't know what the fuck he was doing between Halloween 2 and H2O and H2O and Resurrection. We don't know that. But it, it's funny. I walked out of that theater talking talking to who I went and saw it with. And uh, I was like, can you imagine if in real life someone killed like 30 people in one night? They'd like it'd be like a state of emergency, right? They'd get like the National Guard out. like <laughs> You know and that was the thing. Remember in Halloween 4 when they go to the sheriff's house and he calls the National Guard? Mm-hmm. He says, we need to get the National Guard down here now. 
why the fuck did they do that in this movie? <laughs> Dude, how, uh, dare I say Halloween 4, and, uh, we're really off on a tangent now, but Halloween 4 is really underrated. And Halloween 4 does a lot of the things they do in Kills. Um, but I think Halloween 4 does it better. Like, I really like how they do the, like, citizens forming up the mob in Halloween 4. Um, and that's it's actually cool, because, like, they don't just go, like, let's go kill this guy. They go to the sheriffs, and that's when all the cops are butchered, if you're familiar with that movie, Cordell. And that's when, like, Loomis riles them up, and uh, you get all that. I don't know. Halloween 4 is underrated. I'm a big Halloween 4 fan. Well... Let's table this discussion because with ha- with Halloween coming up in a few months, we will definitely be getting to the Halloween movies here pretty shortly. So let's table this discussion for now. Yeah, we're going to do four H2O, then we're going to do three, then we're going to do Resurrection. We're going to really keep you on your toes, guys. The fuck we are. <laughs> All right. But yeah, you're right. Now that we've become the Halloween podcast for 20 minutes. Uh, What were we talking about? We were talking about the brief Hellraiser. Yes, Hellraiser. I'm excited. I am too. I'm really... uh, Who's the actress playing Pinhead? Ah. uh, Was it like uh, Clayton something? uh, Yes. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm excited for the, the female pinhead. I think that could be cool because if you read the original Hellbound Heart, um, all the Cenobites are described as like androgynous. Yeah, they're not really male or female. So, uh, but now I also feel like I feel like they might do like what they do in the original Hellraiser and like we only see the Cenobites for like five minutes of the whole movie. But yeah, it should. Uh, it should be pretty good. I, I don't really know the director, but I know he's a name. Um, let's see. In Hellraiser, a young woman struggling with addiction comes into possession of the puzzle box. I mean, it, it sounds like they're going back to basics, you know? Like, that's basically what Frank was in the first one. So Except he wasn't an addict. He was a hedonist. Yeah. But, I mean, I think... Uh, I'm a big Hellraiser fan. Are you a Hellraiser guy, Cordell? I have not yet watched the movies, but they are on my watch queue. Oh, Cordell, Cordell, Cordell. I'm so... I don't do well with, like, that kind of, like, body horror, torture, skin getting ripped apart kind of horror. I'm not good with that. So So we're never doing the Saw movies, is what you're saying. you, You got that fucking right. You know me so well at this point. You might be surprised at how little... Saw 1 is not very gory, but that that's beside the point. Well, maybe not Saw 1, and Saw 1 is just two people locked in a bathroom, but as the sequels happen, it becomes more about the traps. Yeah, by Saw, by saw 6, they're, like, injecting a guy with a thousand needles of acid <laughs> and shit mm-hmm. like that. Um. But yeah, I mean, honestly, that those are what I had. Halloween Ends trailer, Terrifier 2, Hellraiser. Um, what else? What else has been going on? You've been. I thinking? will say this though, I'm very, I'm very interested to see how this new Pinhead Hellraiser thing goes. Because if they try to do it like the novel, where they're not like neither fit male or female, I mean, this could be a non-binary's dream. 
Yeah, that's true. It's uh, it's funny as we're 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 edging dangerously close to political talk here, but I I did see a couple of amusing like. People are mad. Hellraiser, Hellraiser is like going that way, which just goes to show you they know nothing about Clyde Barker. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but uh, that's... you know what? People will find any excuse to bitch about something. Oh, a hundred percent. People will be like, put Doug Bradley back in the makeup. The dude's like eighty years old. <laughs> Can I quickly backtrack on something? Uh, when I to the what we've been watching, I did watch. I did go on Disney Plus and I started watching that She-Hulk show that they put out. We went from Pinhead to Marvel. Uh, I'm I'm just doing a quick backtrack here before we move forward. Anyway, how so? How is it? It's funny. It's got that Marvel flame flavor of comedy and you know serious topics, but. I do question the CGI of this. It's like, how do we go from like the awesome CGI like effects of Iron Man and now we're at this? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm I'm no huge Marvel fan. I did just see the new Thor actually, which not gonna lie, it was pretty shitty. Um, <laughs> oh, I thought it was pretty. I thought it was. I was laughing. Me and my buddy um, went and seen it together. We, me and my friend Justin, we go and see all these Marvel movies together, and we were fucking laughing the entire film. All right, so okay, shitty's probably a little too harsh, but I just, uh, it wasn't as good as as the last one. And it at the end of the day, I just don't care. <laughs> it wasn't as good as Ragnarok. But um. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, man. To me, to me, it all, all that Marvel stuff just looks the same. I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, She-Hulk, whatever. You know, I will concede it is starting to feel that way. You know, when they started out, they were building towards something, and they gave everyone their individual films before we got the Avengers. Now it's like. They're just giving us all these characters. It's like, what are you building towards? Like, what? You know, there's talk that they're trying to build towards Kang or Secret Invasion with the Skrulls, but it it doesn't feel as planned out as it was in the beginning. I definitely I, am. Uh, no, go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. I. Oh, I just was going to say, I'm still, in, in terms of, like, modern, like, last couple of years of uh, superhero stuff, which I don't watch a ton of, but I think the stuff DC is doing is far more interesting. Um, all their R-rated stuff, like, I love the new Suicide Squad, I love the Batman, uh, which was not R-rated, but almost. I mean, that is a brutal movie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, give give me that any day over over Marvel. Yeah, I don't... I'm a little worried about the uh, future for Warner Brothers with that merger that they had. Yeah, there's some concerning stuff. I know HBO's been cutting some stuff. HBO's been cutting some stuff. They've been taking, they've been removing movies. Victor Zaslov, he went and put the brakes on that Scooby-Doo movie and also on Batgirl. Which pissed a yeah, lot that, of people off. That makes no sense to me, because apparently that that Batgirl movie is like in the can, like it's done. 
right? Like there, there are hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Just wasted. They're not even going to throw it up on HBO. Batgirl and that Scooby-Doo movie, that Scooby-Doo, that Scoob Holiday Haunt, were pretty much at the end, like, I believe Batgirl was just about finished, and they still had some behind-the-scenes behind the ADR work to do with Scoob. And they just pulled the plug. Done. We're just going to hide it away for all eternity and let no one see it. They're just going to use it as a tax write-off. That just blows my mind. It, it It's so... I read an article where Warner Brothers was having a private screening for the ca- for the cast and crew of Batgirl to watch the film, but I mean, if it's a tax write-off, that means they will most likely never release it. Like, not even for a free, hey, here's a direct-to-video film. Yeah, but all it's doing is generating bad publicity for them. I don't know. I, I feel like we'll see it at some point, even if they just shit it out on streaming in like a couple of years. Well, here's my here's my concern is Victor. From what I understand about Victor Zaslov, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's like a hardcore hardcore conservative, and part of his buyout was to, from what I read, to get back at all the woke people in Hollywood. Do you want to know what this guy specializes in being what being like the main guy at like Discovery? He specializes no. in, he specializes in uh television like that 90 day fiance bullshit. Oh, that crap. Yeah, and he wants to bring more of that to Warner Brothers. Oh, jeez. That is the last thing they need to be doing. Yeah, I've already... I'm already over the Kardashians. I don't need 90 Day Fiance. Yeah, that's just all. That's what I affectionately refer to, Cordell, as the dumbing of America. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I have no argument for that. (laughs) All right, so yeah, Warner Brothers is going down the shitter. Marvel is all the same. Um, yeah, I mean, sad time. But hey, at least at least the horror world, we're getting some good stuff. And we might be getting a new Friday the 13th here. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, so what's going on with that? I, I vaguely saw something on Twitter about that. So, you know that app Cameo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where you can like pay the celebrities to like say whatever you want. Yeah. Well, on Sean Cunningham's profile on there, he updated it to director of the original Friday the 13th. There are 12 movies in the franchise with the 13th coming 2023. So, I know that Cunningham lost the legal battle to Victor Miller. And his appeals have all gotten turned down, so it's really just kind of comes down to if him and Miller can work together. They might have came to an agreement on something. Like, maybe 
how how would you feel if this has all been like the plan all along to make it look like those two were battling over the rights in court, and then boom, they just surprise us out of left field with a movie. I mean, that'd be interesting. I, like, it's like we seriously all got fucking played. I don't really believe that. I mean, um, what I thought and what a lot I, I think a lot of people thought is the second 2018's Halloween made a shit ton of money. I was hoping we'd see a re a redo of what happened, you know, 40 years ago now. Halloween came out in 1978, 1980, Friday the 13th. I thought for sure by 2020 we'd get a Friday the 13th re- reboot or sequel or whatever the hell they want to do it. Um, I mean, if we get a new one, that'd be good. I hope they go back to the basics. I hope what- so too. I mean, can I quickly make a point about something here? When that, law, when that lawsuit was going on, you know, everyone was like, oh, we're not going to get no Friday the 13th stuff for a while. In the middle of that lawsuit, NECA put out the Part 7 Jason figure. They did. And, and I, that is a bitchin' figure. I have it. Oh, figure. my God. I love it. I'm wait. I hope they do part. I hope they do part eight next. Actually, I'm, I'm waiting for the I hope they do a Jason X two pack. That's kind that of would, my like. That would be good. I I mean I hope they continue the Jason line. Like that would be awesome. But um, yeah. I mean obviously, like that's evidence that that's not totally dead. Um, I maintain, and I'm a huge Friday fan. But uh, I will say, filming right now is the Never Hike Alone two. Have you seen Have you seen that one, Cordell? I have. I have seen Never Hike Alone two. I have also seen um, the Never Friday Hike in the Snow. Maybe it was Never Hike. No, maybe it was Never Hike in the Snow that I saw. Well, there's it, two of them. Um, but I also saw Vengeance. Yeah, I think we talked about that. Um, yeah. Now, look, I'm not a big fan film guy by any any means, but for my money, the guys who did uh, Never Hike Alone. What they did there is exactly what I want from a modern Friday the 13th. So if I was in charge of Paramount, I'd say take these people, give them, you know, like ten, whatever, five million, ten million, whatever's cheap. Just go out in the woods, make a fucking Jason movie because I think they've done so good. Too much money can cause a good idea to go south really quickly. <clears throat> but... I mean, I, at the end of the day, all these people are coming back, right? Like, at some point, we're going to get a new Freddy Krueger movie. At some point, we're going to get a new Jason Voorhees. Every five years, Leverface comes back somehow. <laughs> he just never stops. Well, look, here's my here's my goal. Is once I graduate college, I'm going to try to become a screenwriter and a director. And I'm going to try to get the rights to, like, Maniac Cop and get the rights to My Bloody Valentine. And I'm going to make good sequels to those. Dude, I hope so. I mean, there's there's so much. Um, like, some of the – you'd be shocked. Like, like I said, like, in 2023, there's a Terror Train remake coming out. Like, who the hell even would think that would ever happen? You know I mean, what I mean? Well, Black Christmas got another reboot a couple years ago. Oh, I heard that was terrible, dude. It was. It was basically it was basically like just a feminist propaganda film. 
Um, yeah, I heard that was just like all Paul, and it was PG thirteen. How the fuck can you make a slasher movie that's PG thirteen? Just angrily shut the show off. And look, actually, to, to talk on that while we're going into like tangent land, which is where we're at. See, I have no issue if a movie wants to wear its politics on its sleeve, right? That's fine. I don't care. Well, no, I mean, make that, your argument. That's how people spread their messages is through the medium of film. It's how you make a statement about something. My issue is if your movie is about people getting diced up, which I saw that I, I haven't seen the movie. I've seen the trailer. As far as I can tell, it's, you know, about college co-eds getting killed. You cannot make a fucking slasher movie that's PG-13. I'm not going to see it like I, I'm not going to settle for this, you know, slice across the neck and cut away kind of crap. Well, Make your movie R rated. Here's my Give thing. us the gore. Here's my thing, Lucas, is the Maniac Cop TV show. I've heard a couple things of like it's going to try to tackle the issue of police brutality and, you know, the issues we're having with cops today. And I'm thinking of my, and I was thinking about that, and I was like, Maniac Cop is the kind of film where you could talk about that, but don't make that the entire movie. Well, if you if you go back, um, and I'm trying to remember, I think this is the first one, Cordell, correct me. Maniac Cop even touches on that, right? Like, um, there's a what's the one bit that really sticks out to me when Tom Atkins is in the bar, I think maybe, and they go to the TV, and like it's like. Some people are like, oh, it's great, you know what I mean, that the cops are just killing people or whatever. And other people are like, screw the cops or whatever. And so it does, uh, you know what I'm talking about there? Yeah. It, and it does even, lean into that kind of like social commentary. And they even mentioned that the corrupt officials in City Hall were able to lock up Matt Cordell because he was he was a good cop, but he was also known to do violent takedowns and exercise ex- and use excessive force. So they did touch on it. But, so, uh, <clears throat> oh, man, now I really don't know what we were talking about. <laughs> we were talking about Friday. The, we were talking about the fan films originally. Yes. Um. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, I hope we get a new one next year. I know Sean and a couple other people have hinted at that. That'd be fantastic. I just hope, you know, uh, the Sean Cunningham who bankrolled Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X is uh, he's not around anymore. And we get the Sean Cunningham who made the first movie back, you know. Uh, I know what you mean. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I think the re- the remake back in 2009 had its heart in the right place. I think it's kind of an overproduced, like, overly slick. Um, you know, it's a fine movie, but what you said about when we were talking when we were talking about the fan films is fan films are a great way to show the people that own the rights to these that there is still an audience who have a taste for these properties. You know, you mentioned Never Hike Alone, Never Hike is in the Snow. I mentioned Vengeance. They they're in the they're gonna be making Friday the thirteenth Vengeance Part Two. Um there's a My Bloody Valentine fan film being made right now called Valentine Bluffs. There's, yeah, I, w- I wanted to get on that Kickstarter actually. I just never got around to it. There's fan films being made on Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger. I mean there is an audience for the you know what? I just found out the other day, and I haven't watched it yet. There's a Maniac Cop fan film. 
Wow. You know, there's an audience for these old properties, these B-level, A-level properties that people want to see have a revival. So, you know, I think people in Hollywood need to stop paying attention. No, I mean, I agree. And um, I for the new Friday, that's... So if you actually look at that 09 remake, that movie costs like a ton of money. It doesn't have to, right? You look at a... There's a reason why slasher movies were so profitable in the 80s and 90s is they were really cheap to make. Hey, you don't need to spend $50 million on Friday the 13th. Give some, give some hungry up-and-coming director, give them like $10 million, throw a bunch of kids out in the woods, and just let Jason knock them down. Here's the problem with that though is look at how dece- look at how audiences have evolved. Like when you look at the original Halloween, that mo- original film was only three hundred thousand dollars to make. Ended up costing ended up making almost fifty seventy million worldwide. Yeah, it's true. And the movie was relatively bloodless. We didn't see a bunch of gore. But as these movies come out, now audiences, they're not going to be able to sit through a movie like Halloween 78 without the blood and the gore and the violence. They're going to look at that and say, oh, this is my grandma's Halloween. They're going to want the gore. They're going to want the special effects and everything. And I think that's where a lot of the big budgets come in. Yeah, that's true. So before but, we start, I will take it. I will step back, and before we start poo-pooing Hollywood and the studios for putting all this money out there, maybe we need to stop poo-pooing the audience too. Stop expecting lavish big productions. Sometimes small is better. No, that's true. I mean, I think. To circle back around, like never hike alone. I love the concept of it's. It's one of those like YouTubers, right? Doing uh, his like you know, um, vlogging as I go on my hike type thing, and he runs into Jason. Really nice, simple premise, and it holds your attention for an hour. Like it just it keeps you, um, you know, keeps you hooked. And uh, so that's exactly the kind of thing. Um, I think the big studios could look at and take some lessons from. I agree, man. <sighs> I just want to see Jason come back. I want to see Freddy Krueger come back because Freddy Krueger cannot end on that last film. And the circle all the way back around, right? Like with Hellraiser, right? Like I'm hoping, I mean, there's literally no details about this movie just beyond it's a woman with addiction who gets a hold of the box. But like, yeah, make it more of that intimate you know, just have a couple characters. Um, like the first Hellraiser, right? Like there's only three characters. Like make it more of that dramatic, uh, you know, small scale film. You can do that. You don't have to have all of the crazy um, craziness. So It doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be expansive or lavish. You don't have to go to exotic parts of the world. Just make a movie in a house. Now, the one exception is Nightmare on Elm Street, because I still hope we get our last Robert Englund one and they, like, pull out all the stops. But I don't think that'll happen. We'll see. I doubt that. I think England is just too uh, just up, the, too up there in age now to really 
do the stunts for that. Yeah, um, but um, have you heard of the, like, uh, I think Kevin Smith or whatever made the script of, like, Freddy is old and, like, they, like, make fun of him. Oh, my gosh. Have you heard of this one? No, but of course Kevin Smith would make that. No, the concept's really cool, right? So listen to this. So the whole concept is, like, Freddy is basically a joke, right? Like, no one's scared of him. And the whole premise is, like, teens actually, like, go into their dreams and, like, beat up on Freddy. Because, like, he's just, like, they're not scared of him. He has no power anymore. I don't want to. And the whole idea is that, like, one of these people who, like, goes in there, like, I don't know, has a heart attack or something. And, like, Freddy kills them or is able to kill them. And he starts to slowly get his power back and, like, kill the people. I mean, I don't know. I, I think you could pull it off of Robert Englund still. I really do. I think Robert Englund deserves another Freddy Krueger movie. <clears throat> but, but, yeah, we got... Is that all you got for horror news? That's all I got, man. You got anything else? Um, I do want to say that um, I've been keeping in touch with some fellow people on Twitter... Who are very well versed in Tales from the Crypt, and that Tales from the Crypt lawsuit is over with. Oh, nice. Um, from what I understand, EC Comics got their rights back for Tales from the Crypt, but it's only for like wit- written works, so like you know, comics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I understand. Tales from the Crypt Holdings and HBO still got their rights to the Crypt Keeper Puppet, but I don't know if they have the rights to any of the names anymore. So, I don't know. I think the likelihood of seeing Tales from the Crypt or seeing the Crypt Keeper, I think you. I think if we ever see them again, someone's going to have to have a lot of money and just buy those rights out. Yeah, hopefully we see some sort of reboot or something. Quite frankly, if Victor Zaslov is so hell-bent on restructuring HBO, I'll just go to the man myself and be like, hey, can I have the Crypt Keeper puppet? (laughs) Just uh, shoot him a a message. Just be like, hey, you guys going to try to bring back Tales from the Crypt? No? How much for the rights? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, uh, it's one of those that definitely should uh It should needs be. to come back. I mean, Creepshow had a revival. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, well, I'd say, are you ready to get into this movie? Yeah, man, let's do it. Let's hit up uh, Hellbound. Now right. the, the poor listeners have been stuck listening to us ramble on. Yeah. About an hour and t- like an hour and twenty minutes of like us just rambling. <laughs> yeah, okay. let's hit up. So, Hellbound. This movie came out in January of nineteen forty. 1940- I was about nineteen forty. No, I was about to say nineteen forty-four. Nineteen ninety-four. Cordell's still stuck in hell with Himmler. <laughs> yes, I'm stuck <laughs> in a past I should not be in. Okay, no, January 1994, it was made and distributed by Canon Films. It stars Chuck Norris, Calvin Levels, who I don't know from anything outside of this movie. 
Christopher Nime, who I looked up his resume earlier, and he was put, he was like in a lot of uh, TV shows for the BBC back then, like Colditz. He was apparently, you know, that Hulk Hogan movie, Suburban Commando. I've heard of it. Apparently he was in that too. I looked it I looked it up to see who and it just said the commander. So I'm like, oh, so he didn't matter. Um <laughs> Sherry J. Wilson as Leslie Hawkins, which is inter- interesting because she and Chuck Norris would later go on to star together in the Walker Texas Ranger show. I did see that, yes. She would play she went on to play his uh DA, DA attorney uh, Alex Cahill, and then later Cordell Walker's love interest. Um, not a whole lot of other names on this list here that are, most of them are like foreign names. We got Ezra Attar as the kid Bezzy, Jack Atlas as Reinhard Krieger. Um, Joseph Pellet as Holy Man, who I honestly thought in the movie was Jesus. I thought that too. We're uh, gonna talk about it. Oi Levy is Rabbi Mordecai Schindler. No relation to Oscar Schindler from Schindler's List. Oh, you stole the joke I was gonna make. <laughs> You're killing me, Cordo. Killing me. Yeah, there's the one thing I will say about this movie is like uh, most of the most of this film is shot in Israel. Yeah, that was a surprise, actually. That's probably why Canon went out, went bankrupt after this. But okay, so just to kind of give people a quick rundown before we actually get into the movie, this is about this movie is about two Chicago cops played by Calvin Levels and Chuck Norris, who begin to investigate the murder of a rabbi, and their investigation leads them to a an ancient demonic being by the, uh, played by Christopher Nime, who goes by the name of Prositanos, which I guess they call him in the movie, he's the emissary of Satan, he's not Satan himself. Yeah, kind of a weird, weird distinction there. I, I I mean, I know what an emissary is. I just don't know why Satan needs an emissary. Um, so it's up to Chuck Norris's character, Sergeant Shatter, and Calvin's character, Detective Jackson, to save the world from Prosotanos using his scepter to unleash hell on Earth. So, Lucas, I'm going to let you open us up here because I need oh, to catch geez. my breath. <laughs> all right so hellbound um oh man so we start off <laughs> you don't look you don't sound so happy with me <laughs> so this movie starts off uh opening text scroll in the style of star wars um yellow text scrolling up the screen and so basically it's talking about like wait <sighs> oh man <laughs> Way back at the beginning of time, right, Satan, soul of darkness, was cast away. All this gobbledygook called forth in the times of weakness and despair. And it's, yeah, basically. It's, like the, it's the story of Satan. And if you want that story, just read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, basically the the gist of it is that Satan's emissary, uh, Prosatanos, I I could never, Prosatanos, Prosatanos would ravish the earth, right? He'd go across, kill everybody, until, you know, a knight would come to bind him, until freed by greedy men. So we open up this movie. Yeah, very, very straightforward stuff. Uh, that's not so, even foreshadowing. That's just telling us what's going to happen. Yeah, and then it shows us what happens, you know, and it's <laughs> it's kind of pointless. So we open up with a bunch of, like, crusaders riding through the desert. You know, we got knights. We got a, a king leading them. And so they ride through the desert while we get the credits. And we're supposed to take this that this is the actual historical King Richard the First. Yes. Um, we get some text on the screen saying it's, like, 1100 ad or something like that so they ride up to a castle and you know like walk in unmount their horses they walk up to a big cross and uh the priest who's with them goes up and starts like digging at the masonry and they get some knights to help and they basically uh start digging this cross out of the wall well we cut to (laughs) pro satanos uh, who plays him again, Cordell? Christopher Nime. Christopher Nime as Prosetanos. And this guy's hair <laughs> in this movie. He's got he's balding, but he has long hair. I don't know what you call that look. Oh my gosh. I actually read a review of this movie and somebody called it um a skullet. That's a that's a good description. The top of his head is bald, but he has long hair. So you inside inside no good. Just look at that hair. So um, as they start to dig out this cross, we cut to Prosectanos. He's got a baby on an altar. It's a sarcophagus, actually. And he's got a uh, spiked uh, scepter. And he's saying all this, you know, uh, prepping the ceremony. He's going to sacrifice this baby. And we eventually find out the baby, we assume, is Richard's kid because he says we have to save the prince. I prepare to anoint my spirit with this royal blood. So we keep cutting back and forth. Well, eventually Richard and his knights, they bust down the cross and uh, they run into the hallway leading to this chamber. Well, uh, old pro Satanos is smarter than that. So he uh, triggers a, uh, what do you call it? Like a gate to slam down and cut off the knights. Well, they're smarter than him because one of them has a crossbow. <laughs> And so they, they plug old Satan with uh, with two bolts to the chest and pull up the gate. And so they jump in and uh, Pro Satanos has all these like disciples with him, these like hooded people. And so we get like a cool little battle scene with these knights like fighting these uh, alkalites. And we come to find out these alkalites aren't human. They they're like these fanged creatures. Oh, my gosh. The makeup and costuming of this movie is just amazing well we only see the makeup once but it is pretty cool <laughs> no we are gonna eventually see the makeup of prosatanos out in outside of his human form too eventually oh. but yeah these demons literally looks like a mask i was looking at the other day at spirit halloween but uh so richard and his knights bust in they kill all the alkalites you know it's pretty they um I just want to warn the listeners, I personally love this movie like a guilty pleasure, but 
when we're actually going to talk about it, it's going to be very hard not to laugh, not to make jokes, because <laughs> this movie is just whack. Yeah, there's a... Uh... There's not a lot of plot here. I'm not gonna. <laughs> <clears throat> well, they uh, so they they kill all his alkalites and they grab old Prositanos, and mm-hmm. uh, basically they they drag open this sarcophagus, and they stick them in. They like uh, they shove them inside, and uh, the priest basically takes these like four daggers of crosses on them. And he like sticks them in the four corners to seal them inside. And uh, Pro Satanos' scepter he was gonna use is on top of it. And Richard the Third's like, oh, this is the thing that gives him his power, huh? So he takes his sword and hacks it up into nine pieces. Because they were too stupid to just stab him with it. As we will find out an hour later. <clears throat> like five hundred years later. True. <laughs> so basically, they they seal the uh, and we should say the uh, Pro Satanos. He gets this cool makeup effect where like his eyes turn into like fish eyes, like his uh his pupils like extend out. That was kind of cool. Well, we cut to 1951, and these two dudes are breaking into the temple. Um, because as Richard left, he's like, you know, seal up this temple so no one can find it. And we cut to, I guess, 900 years later. These two guys are breaking into the tomb, and uh, they uh, they see all the gold crosses around. They start stealing them. They're like, oh, we're rich. And the one guy's like, well, let's open up the sarcophagus. And this is the first moment that really impressed me, Cordell, and thought I thought mistakenly that we might get some horror in here. Because they open up the sarcophagus, and one of these grave robbers sticks his hand in, and for his trouble, uh, he starts screaming, and he gets a freaking hand right through his chest. Like, you see it bust out his back. And I thought that was super cool. Oh, yeah. It sets you up for a movie you're not going to get. <laughs> and the other guy who's trying to climb up, he gets sucked back down. And uh, so we cut to Chicago, present day, you know, where you'd expect to be. And this this kind of was surprising for, to me, Cordell, because we just get right into it. Chuck Norris throws some guy out of a club. He's got a gun to his head. He's like, I'm going to blow your fucking head off. And I'm like, I thought Chuck Norris was the good guy. <laughs> um, so it turns out he's a cop and he's got a, a partner, Jackson, um, played by I forget who you said. Calvin Levels. Played by Calvin Levels. And they're actually doing some good cop, bad cop things. So the whole deal is Chuck Norris is like, I'm going to blow this guy's head off. And Calvin um, Levels, Jackson, is like, look, dude, just give us the name of your dealer. You know, like, be cool. Uh, to kind of give uh, you an idea of who Calvin Levels is, um, I'm looking at his filmography. Aside of Hellbound, the only other movie that I recognize on here is Adventures in Babysitting. Ah, uh, okay. Um, he was in a TV he was in a TV anthology series called Monsters. Um, Crisis at Central High, The Watcher, 
Yeah, so this guy really wasn't in any of I'm looking at the posters of all the movies he's been in, and it all looks like cheap-ass, like, D-level stuff. Yeah, I was curious. I was curious what else he'd been in. In fact, this and Adventures in Babysitting might be, like, the biggest mainstream he was ever in. So, so Jackson, uh, so Jackson and Chuck Norris, whose name, uh, is Shatter, Sergeant Shatter. They, uh, they get the name of this guy's drug dealer, you know, they scare it out of him. And, uh, turns out he's, like, right across the street, like, slapping some hooker around. (laughs) I love this scene so much. Well, in the meantime, we just get a surprising jump cut to another hooker. Who just kind of is like babbling on about something. I have no idea what she's talking about. Yeah, I don't. I've never heard of a hooker that talks this much. And, and she's a terrible actress, too. We just got to say. When you get a hooker, don't they normally just come in, do whatever you get them for, and then leave? Like, they're not usually this chatty. I don't know. I've never ordered a hooker before. You would think so. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. But yeah, she she's uh she's babbling on to whoever her client is, who we will find out is uh Prosetanos. Who is now um, going under the name of Professor Lockley. Yes. So and she's talking no, I, I just want to say this woman is talking to him, she's trying to get this guy to give her something, and he's just sitting there not having it. Like yeah, she she, na- she gets naked and goes and ha- takes a shower and says do you want to come take a shower with me? And he's just not listening. <laughs> yeah, he, he he was just there, you know. He, he got what he wanted. He does not give a shit anymore. But uh, we, the unfortunate viewers, are stuck having to listen to whatever crap she's rambling about. Oh, my God, she's annoying. <laughs> well, cut back onto the street, and uh, Shatter and Jackson go over to uh, where this pimp is. <laughs> and Jackson walks up, you know, he's pretending like, oh, you got a joint. He just straight hey, up man. kicks the pimp in the balls. <laughs> hey, man, get the fuck out of here, man. Well, the pimp's like, uh, you know, he's like enforcer or whatever you want to call it. He's going to go for his gun, but Chuck Norris sticks a gun in his neck. And Chuck Norris, uh, he basically baits the guy into like punching him. He's like. Yeah, he's you like, know. I don't need. He's like, you don't need that. I don't need it to kick your ass. Is that so he's right? like, come on, take a punch. He starts shoving the guy. Well, the guy takes a swing at Chuck Norris and punches him, and he's like, call that a punch? Well, he punches the guy like ten feet over the hood of a car. <laughs> he's like, that is. Am I correct, Cordell? He's like, that's a punch. Yeah, he like just uppercuts this fucking dude. And the guy just flies backward onto the hood of the car, off the car, onto the ground, just knock the fuck out. Well, meanwhile, back up in this hotel room, uh, so when they were looking at, at the pimp, Chuck Norris caught a glimpse of these two guys in a taxi rolling up to the hotel. And he watches them get up and walk in. Well, we cut back to the hotel room, and these two guys roll up. And uh, one of them, it, we will later find out, is Mr. Krieger, and he's a antiquities dealer. And it's not German. Yeah, that was kind of that was kind of strange. 
But the uh, other fellow, Mr. Schindler, who does not have a list, sadly, um, Krieger's basically brought Schindler up to meet uh, Lockleed, uh, Prosetanos. And Prosetanos is like, all right, I have no more need for you, Krieger. There's your money. Take it and leave. So Krieger takes a briefcase of cash and walks out. And this Mr. Schindler guy, he gives uh, he gives Prosetanos a piece of that scepter we saw earlier, the the top uh, the headpiece. Well, as Prosetanos is like looking at it and getting all entranced, this Mr. Schindler pulls out one of those uh, cross daggers that sealed the sarcophagus. He just shanks uh, he shanks Prosetanos right in the heart, stabs him, he falls on the bed, and he's all like, oh. I've been tracking you. I know who you are, and I know how to kill you. Obviously but not. turns out that was not what he needed to kill the guy. Because old Pro Satanos, he opens his eyes, walks right up, and uh, he's like, "Nah, you were wrong." And, and he uh, pulls the Jason lives on this guy. <laughs> Mr. Schindler gets his uh, his fucking heart ripped out for his trouble, and I thought again, I'm I'm like, oh, this is the kind of movie we're in. This is awesome. I gotta say that heart prop looked very real. Like I was impressed with that. Yeah, he just straight like, up rips his heart it's out. It's not just the heart, but it's also like all the tubes that connect to the heart too. Oh yeah, yeah, so they that's uh, impressive. They did really good with that. <clears throat> well, Mr. Uh, Mr. Schindler gets his heart ripped out. Well, it just so happens that our not-shutting-up hooker walks out of the bathroom. Oh, she shuts up when she sees that. <laughs> she sees the guy with his heart ripped out, and pro Satanas, I gotta say, whenever this guy talks and he's in his demon mode, his voice gets this, like, kind of modulated, like, mm. sort of pinhead-sounding, like... Oh, he's going to do it in a couple minutes when he's talking to Chuck Norris. And I actually like that when he's standing in shadow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But yeah, so he takes the hooker. He's like, it's time for you to leave. And he just throws her out the fucking window. (laughs) And where should she land? But right on the hood of Shatter and Jackson's car. So they, you know, they hop out of the car. Like Jackson's like, oh, I got to go to the Bulls game. You know, he's obsessed with his basketball. Well, they hop out. Hey, this is 1994. This is at the height of the Bulls when Michael Jordan was just racking up wins. I would be obsessed to get to that Bulls game, too. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Jackson radios for help while uh, Shatter runs up to investigate. He's got his gun out. You know what's amazing? That hooker survives that fall. Does she? I know they're like, call an ambulance. I didn't see her moving, though. Yeah, she wasn't moving, but uh, Shatter puts his finger up to her neck and says, she's alive. Call an ambulance. I was like, oh, my gosh, that woman's got some fucking spirit. Huh. Learn something new every day. Well, uh, Shatter busts into the room, and yeah, that's where it gets kind of cool, because he sees uh, Prosetanos all shadowed in the window, and he's like, you know, you should leave. He's like, leave now, and I'll let you live. And I, I thought this was kind of amusing. He uh, he actually tosses the heart. 
I like this this whole scene. I like this whole scene. He tells him that to leave. He's and when he says, I'll let you live, Chuck Norris replies, You're all hot, buddy. Speaking of hearts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he throws it in like slow motion. Well, Chuck Norris is having none of that, so he plugs him twice in the chest. But uh, as we've already seen, that's not enough to put down Pro Satanos, so he basically, he like throws Chuck Norris through the door. Right into uh, Jackson, who's been coming up. This is this is where my other favorite scene happens. This this opening, like this introductory scene between Jackson, Shadow, and Positano has always stuck with me when I watch this. Because this is where you really kind of understand that uh, Jackson is an over-the-top character. I believe the phrase is overacting. Yeah, Jackson's comic relief to the max. But he gets in there and he's like, uh, Shadow tells him he shot a guy twice and it didn't do anything. And he's like, that's impossible. He's like, well, explain that. Goes and sends Jackson to check Schindler's body. And he's like, oh, shit, his heart's gone. No, it isn't. <laughs> it's right there. Oh, oh I was, was going to say, I, I did love that bit. I love that so much. That that was the one laugh out loud moment when he's like, it's, his heart's gone. No, it isn't. It's right over there. <laughs> Holy shit. And that jump he does when he says that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> got me cracking up thinking about it. <laughs> Well, we, uh, uh, yeah, Hole, their captain, is just really laying into Jackson. She does not like Jackson. I know. We never get a reason why. But, you know, this woman kind of reminded me of, like, that big, mean lady from the movie Matilda. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Miss Trunchbuckle, I think her name was. But, uh, it seems like she's got a little bit of a crush on Shatter. Um, cause she's way nicer to him and she is not an attractive woman at all. <laughs> um, but I like this line Cordell when she's like, you know, you still got to account for where those two bullets went. He's like, I'd like to know that too. Mm, yeah. I mean, I would want to know too. I want to know how I shoot somebody and they don't die. So uh, we Jackson and uh, Shatter go back to their desk, and turns out Shatter actually has the head of that uh, that scepter we saw. And so him and Jackson are like kind of theorizing about, you know, what could this be? So they uh, figure out um, Shatter has the business card that was dropped uh, in the hotel room. And this is where I got a little confused, Cordell. I'm not going to lie to you. So they go to the university to look for this Professor Lockleed, right? Yes. And so they go to the University of Chicago, and they find his assistant, um, who's the woman played by uh, whoever you said earlier. Sherry J. Wilson. Sherry J. Wilson. And uh, Hawkins. Oh, that's her name, Hawkins? Yep. 
So they get a little funny joke where, like, uh, you can tell Chuck Norris is into her and Jackson's like, what is she between a, you know, one and a ten and don't say twelve. <laughs> and so basically they're like, look, we got this. Uh, we're looking for the professor. She's like, nah, he's out on a dig. Um, But she basically breaks down, like, what's up with this uh, scepter? She says, you know, it's the scepter of Pro Satanos cut into nine pieces and scattered. Um, You know. She basically outlines what the MacGuffin is. Chekhov's gun. Exactly. So we cut to northern Italy right from that scene. You know, they're like, well, call us if you if you think of anything, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we cut to these two Catholic priests on a train holding a wooden box, and I think, you know, we're basically to assume that box has one of those pieces in it. So the one priest is like, oh, I'm feeling ill. Can you hold it, Father? The other guy's like, don't worry. We're going to be at the Vatican soon. Well, the one guy leaves, and uh, Pro Satana shows up, and I think he throws him off the train, but we don't really see anything. I don't know. Like We never see what happens to this guy. No, the older priest back in the car, we get this cool cool jump cut where, like, Pro Satanos all of a sudden is, like, sitting opposite of him, and he's stolen his crucifix. And uh, he gets a good line about, like, you should always hold on to your faith, Father, as he, like, turns the cross upside down. That was kind of cool. Even if, even if it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was a good line. And then this is where the movie started to disappoint me, Cordell. I can't lie to you because he grabs the priest, but like we don't get any gore or anything. He just kind of like we get like one shot of him throwing him against the window. And then I think he throws him off, too. I I don't really know. I'm going to go ahead and say that I think they blew the budget on that hot prop and the hand going through the chest. Yeah. From here on out, the kills are all like cuts and they suck. There are no kills. You, well, there's kills, but we really never see the aftermath. Or if we do, it's just someone lying on the ground with a bit of blood on their face. Exactly. And that's a just to get out there. That's a huge issue of mine with this movie is we have those two opening like the hand through the chest is awesome. Right. Like the stuff of the knights is pretty good. The makeup on that one alkalite looks cool. You know, the heart ripping out is solid. And then we get like nothing for the whole rest of the movie. Um, yeah, it's, it's a real, it's a major disappointment. I'm not going to lie. I, you know, um, it might sound weird. Maybe they had an issue with showing like an on-screen murder of a Catholic priest. I know that back then, cat, like the Catholic church was very, you know, anal about seeing <laughs> such things befall, uh, people, their people of faith. It's one of the reasons why they went after Silent Night, Deadly Night so bad. But that's just me kind of spitballing. I really can't explain why all of a sudden from here the kills just get so lackluster. But uh, so we cut back to the police station and we got to say this movie has a lot of uh, (laughs) some of it works, some of it doesn't. But it has a lot of dumb comedy. It has dumb comedy, and it has no sense of fucking, like, telling us where we are. But we uh, we actually get a Ross Perot joke, of all things, which I was not expecting. 
Jackson Jackson has this like extended is like Ross Perot's gonna run again. I'm a fan of his. I'm just like, what is this doing here? <laughs> but I mean, uh that is so that kinda went over my head. I just assumed it was some infamous politician. Um this is a pretty funny bit. So Shatter walks up to Jackson at the desk. He's like, I've got good news and bad news. What do you want first? And Jackson's like, give me the bad news. So he pulls out two Bulls tickets for tonight. <laughs> Jackson's like, if that's the bad news, I want to see what the good news is. And uh, Shatter's like, the good news is or the good news is that, uh, you know, they're sending that rabbi. Uh, uh, what's his name? Schindler back to Israel and we get to escort him. <laughs> Say what? And we get a we get a good jump cut where Jackson's like, no way, I'm not going. Send you. There's no way I'm going to Israel. And then we cut to them getting off the plane. Does he say bad news and good news, or does he say I've got bad news and worse news? I thought it was bad news and good news. Bad news and worse news makes sense though. Yeah, because for, I don't know why you would look at your partner who really likes the Chicago Bulls. Says, yeah, the good news is you get to go to Israel. Bad news is you got Bulls tickets. Yeah, but as we see throughout this movie, Shatter, Shatter just likes to screw with Jackson. Yeah. I did like like their interplay. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, can we talk about how Chuck Norris is basically, you know, starving his partner throughout the entire movie? Yeah, I don't think Jackson eats for like three days. (laughs) Doesn't even... Yeah, that's a long time to go without eating, especially in Israel. Right, hold hold that thought, Cordell. Hold that thought. We'll, we'll get to it in like five minutes, I promise. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so we, we jump cut to Jackson and uh, and Shatter uh, walking off the plane in Israel, and they meet up with some cop who's like, you know, here's your ride. We'll take care of the priest's body. <laughs> and... It, Someone somewhere thinks this is hilarious, but we get treated to like a five minute scene of them with like uh, this terrible driver, like going driving them to the police station. And I thought you were a shitty driver. Shitty. Yeah. What is this word shitty? And yeah, they, we get all this comedic thing where they're like they call the driver a shitty driver. And he's like, what does shitty mean? And they're like, it means you're a hot shot, like Top Gun. He's like, oh, I seen that movie. The classic stereotype of insulting the driver and making him think it's a good thing and we get all this like slapstick of like him driving through a construction site and like jumping over a, like you know they make a jump with the car and people his are diving car, out of his the car way mirror, like hit someone on the ass yeah and i i don't know about you cordell but i was kind of rolling my eyes <laughs> i usually fast forward past this part i'm just like oh boy well uh yeah, so they uh they get to the police station. I thought this was kind of funny. They roll up. It's daylight outside. They walk inside, and the Israeli captain, he's a hard ass. He's like, oh, we don't need you Chicago cops here. Like, you know, I do the investigation. The less you know, the better. I like his joke. He's like, is this how Chicago cops always dress? On our good days, I hate to see you on your bad. Yeah, and and I gotta say I do like Chuck Norris in this movie. I think he does pretty good with the, like the the snide remarks and stuff. He's he's pretty funny. Well, I when we get when we when we're done talking about this, I do want to talk about Chuck Norris and his you know status as an actor because I feel like people put Chuck Norris down on like the B and 
or like the C and D levels of actors. And I really think that's an unfair spot. No, I mean, I'll just say, I mean, I thought he did. I think he's fine in this movie. I had no issue with Chuck Norris, really. Um, you know, the, th- the thing about Chuck Norris is he is a legitimate martial artist. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he was a Bruce Lee. So, I mean, he had the potential to be one of the big A-listers like Arnold or Stallone or Bruce Lee. I personally put him on like a B level with like Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because uh, I'm a big Van Damme fan and I'd put him right right about there. You know, if I had to choose between Chuck Norris or Steven Seagal, I'm gonna choose Chuck Norris. Oh, I hate Steven Seagal. <laughs> I love Steven Seagal. I love his like '90s stuff. You know, he is a martial artist with a keto. But he doesn't have the kind of martial arts skills that Chuck Norris has. And he's just an asshole in real life. Yeah, from what I hear now, he's really not a likable person right uh, these days. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I thought this was kind of amusing. They the the cop finishes like talking to him. They walk outside. It's dark out. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, what the hell? What kind of debriefing is that? And they roll up to their hotel, and we get Jackson being like, oh, I'm not staying here. And Chuck Norris, uh, you know, shatters like, good thing I have the uh, I have the spending money then. Oh, my gosh. And we get more comedy of Jackson being like, you know, I can't – I got to sleep next to the AC. Pointless stuff like that. Yeah, not going to lie to you, Cordell. It was pointless. <laughs> there comes a part in this film where Jackson really becomes a little too much – yeah, and we're about to get there because we cut to the next day. And, and uh, Chuck and, Norris has decided that they are going to investigate, even though they were told not to. And, you know, Jackson's he's like, the, well, we shouldn't be investigating. But. Yeah, so they uh, they they figure while we're while we're here, um, that uh, antiquities guy who led Schindler in turns out he lives in Israel, too. So they're like, well, let's go investigate him. So they walk into this guy's shop and they do the uh, this whole movie. They've been like, we're going to play the good cop, bad cop routine. Right. That's what they were doing with the drug, the druggie at the start. Well, they walk in and they both like intimidate the shit out of this guy. You know, they're like, what were you doing in the hotel room? Like, what the fuck are you doing there? You're going down. You're going to jail. And this guy's spooked like he's freaked out. You know, not to judge anyone of a different nationality who decides to move to an exotic part of the world, but this guy's name is Reinhard Krieger. He, he's he got a German name. He doesn't look German. He doesn't sound German. He sure as hell doesn't belong in Israel. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't even know what he is. He's, he's just this random dude. <laughs> You know, there was a lot of movies back then that just kind of had the, oh, well, we need to have a black person and we need to have a evil German and we need to have, you know, a Jewish person. And we like they always just fit stereotype names into their films back then. And that's what this feels like. What, what What's the stereotype of, though? I, I don't, don't know. know. But an English German living in Israel? <laughs> 
don't know. He's like, he just, I just don't know what it is about this guy, but like, and he also looks kind of dopey. Yeah, he's he's a weird looking dude. He's he's like a slimy. He's a slimy looking guy. I think that's probably why they hired him. But uh, basically, they intimidate the hell out of this guy, and they're like, he's finally is like, like screw you guys, get out of my house, and he like runs out pretty much. Yeah, and, what is that? That's his house and his shop all in one. And to give this guy some credit, though, like. Admittedly, what jurisdiction do two Chicago cops have in Israel? <laughs> that's that's a good well, point. Like, that's well, you know, the Israeli captain even says, "I'm the only cop here. You two are tourists." Um, they they were not sent to Israel to investigate. Yeah, they're just there on like body, uh, you know, body escort duty, pretty much. But uh, so they walk out and I think this is where we get the scene where Jackson's like, I'm starving. And Chuck Norris says, I kid you not. He's like, well, you ate on the plane, (laughs) you know, 24 hours ago. Oh, my goodness. That's just right. I'm I'm, I'm right, Cordell, right? This is where that scene happens. Yes, it it is. But yeah, Chuck Chuck Norris is like doing you ate on the plane. Dude, it's been a whole day. Oh my gosh, this is getting close to where Bezzy enters the picture. So anyway, so this is where we get this is where we get uh so they're sitting in the car talking about this. Well this little kid runs up to the car. He's like, Help me, help me. He dives through the window. And they're like, What the hell is going on? And the kid's like, Oh, this other kid I, I forget what the name is. You know, he beats me up, he's trying to, you know, beat on me. You know, help me, hide me. Well, Jackson steps out. He's like, don't worry, I'll take care of this. Well, this other little kid runs up trying to beat up on the first kid, and Jackson gets between him. You know, he's like, break it up, break it up, like, calm down. And he makes him shake hands, you know. He's like, that's the American way. And you get the stereotypical little uh, kids going like, oh, American. And did this kid sound British to you, Cordell? Because he did to me. And it took me till halfway through the movie. I was like, "What the hell is a British kid doing in Israel?" No, I he sounded as he sounded Middle Eastern to me when he spoke. Oh. Maybe I just don't have a good grasp on accents. Then. <clears throat> but uh, well, it takes Jackson all of about uh two seconds before Chuck Norris points out, uh, "Hey, where's your wallet?" <laughs> and turns out this whole thing has just been a scam. Down and get your wallet back. What? Yeah, Jackson's reaction's amazing. I do love he's like that little punk or what's he say? Calls him like a little snake. Yeah, he's like that little punk snake. He's pissed. <laughs> so uh him and Shatter go, go on the hunt. And so uh yeah, Shatter he's, a, he's about it. like he even admits to Chuck Norris, I'm gonna beat this little kid up. Yeah, he's like he's <laughs> like, I'm gonna go beat this fucking kid. Well, you know, they're searching around this marketplace housing. Well, Chuck Norris goes up on a roof and uh, he finds the kid like dangling off the roof. Yeah, this kid thought it would be a great idea to like just haul himself over the side of a building and just hang there and hope the guy wouldn't come find him. And this is where I don't want to reference my notes, but I literally I wrote down as like life lessons with Chuck Norris. Because <laughs> Chuck Norris, he's like he comes up to this kid, he's hanging there, he's like. How long you think you can hang there? 
<laughs> and I like the kid. He's like, you have me at a disadvantage, sir. <laughs> yeah. And Chuck Norris is like, all right, tell me where the wallet is. I'll, I'll pull you up. Kid's like, it's in my pocket. So Chuck Norris pulls him up. He's like, give me the wallet. And, and he like, gives the kid the life lesson, you know. He's like, does that always work on the tourists? Only Americans. <laughs> I don't know. This kid is pretty funny. Oh my goodness. We we skipped the part where Chuck Norris gave him a twenty gave uh, Jackson a twenty dollar bill. Oh yeah, we should go back to that. So right before that, Chuck Norris gives him some money. He's like, all right, you can buy all the food you want, you know. Well, the kid gives Chuck Norris the wallet back. Chuck Norris takes the money out of it, puts it in his pocket. <laughs> and, you know, he basically tells the kid, like, don't do that anymore and sends him on his way. Oh, my God. That's well, so- he, wa- he walks down and he meets Jackson. and ta- Jackson's like, oh, you find the wallet. He tosses him it. And this cracked me up with Jackson. He opens it. He's like, oh, they took all the money. <laughs> Chuck Norris is like, ah, oh, that sucks, man. <laughs> There's something to that effect. Oh, my goodness. Whew. And uh, about this time, Cordell, is when uh, when we start to realize there's this Jesus-looking dude. <laughs> yeah. Just, we just cut to who's watching Chuck Norris from the distance. And, and I, I don't know how else to describe him. He, he's some he's a bearded Middle Eastern guy who looks like Jesus. You, you, no, let's be clear about this, because I looked at the I looked at this dude and I'm like, it looks like Jesus, but it looks like what? And the he's listed in the credits as Holy Man, played by a Yosef Pellid. I don't know, but he does not look Middle Eastern to me. He looks like a white man's Jesus. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought he was supposed to be Jesus, the movie. I, I really so did. Why? So when they called him the holy man in the credits, I'm like, no, 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 that is clearly Jesus. <laughs> or at least, you know, white Western culture's interpretation of Jesus. But either way, it looks like Jesus. Uh, there's not much to say. But basically, for the next, like, hour of the movie, we're just every we're just going to cut to him watching Chuck Norris. I know. It's almost creepy. It is creepy. But uh, anyway, so so Shatter and Jackson, they, they decide to go look for the professor and uh, they call up. And this is where I got a little lost, because I guess that chick they met at the university, she's in the past day traveled to Israel because they like call up his office or whatever. Am I incorrect here? And they like, I think not. Um. Basically, she tells him, go to this uh, archaeological site. That's where you'll find the professor. Oh, I love this. So when they're driving him out to the uh, uh, to the site, and it's just miles and miles of desert. It's like, holy. Yeah, I, I will say, I, I think this movie looks really good. And when they do the, like, landscape shots um, of Israel and the desert and even, like, the archaeological dig, you can tell, pretty- like. It's, it's pretty, pretty good. good looking. Like, yeah. It's a beautiful, it's beautiful scenery. I just uh-huh. don't know. I just, that car has to be good on gas. <laughs> I know, right? So they drive out to this, uh, they drive out to this archaeological dig straight out of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I love it. She, I love it that Hawkins kind of warns him. She's like, he's kind of an eccentric. 
And uh, they run into the professor, and who should it be but none other than our uh, emissary of Satan himself, Pro-Satanus. You know, let's back up for a couple seconds because they kind of give us like this POV camera shot when they get to the archaeological dig. We kind of get like this um, POV shot from the camera moving through the catacombs in the darkness all the way up to outside. Like they're trying to build like some suspense. Yeah, and we're we're gonna get that a couple more times throughout the movie, and I think it's supposed to be pro Satanus, like Evil Dead style moving. Yeah, that's a better way of putting it. It's kind of like the Evil Dead stick. But uh, so they roll up, and he's real standoffish. He's wearing these like stupid glasses, and um, I forget what he says exactly, but. He's basically like, oh, you guys are the bozos from Chicago. Well, they, uh, Chuck, no good. Yeah, like, they're trying to ask him questions. He doesn't want nothing to do with it. He doesn't care. They show him the piece of the scepter. He's like, it's a fake. Yeah, they they show him the scepter, which you'd think this guy would want. And he just, like, throw he, like, tosses it away immediately. He's like, ah, this is fake. And they're like, well, why would anyone fake something that's a mythological item? And he's like, it's just human nature. <laughs> and he's basically like, fuck off, leave me alone. <laughs> and I love Jack. I mean, he he walks away to go back into the thing. And I love Jackson's line. You know, he's not an eccentric. He's, he's an, an asshole. asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did like that one. But somehow that must have offended Prosatanos because he like stops and looks back before he goes in. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> So, oh man, it's all blending together now. But yeah, so he says their their scepter is a fake. He storms off. Um, so they go back to their hotel room, and uh, we've already had this set up. They ask the guy at the front desk any messages. Earlier he said no. Well, this time he says, yeah, you got a message, uh, you know, from the captain in Chicago, and. Uh, you know, Jackson's like, oh, she must have missed you, Shatter. She must be great to hear from you. And uh, Chuck Norris is like, well, she'll be disappointed because you're going to call her. <laughs> <laughs> and Jackson's like, why the hell am I? Uh, do I have to call her? And he's like, because I'm the sergeant. Yeah, this one kind of backfires, though, on Shatter. Um, so then we get a little bit of comedy because Shatter calls uh, the captain and as soon as she hears his voice, you can tell this act, and she's, like, disappointed. <laughs> well, uh, meanwhile, Shatter walks into the hotel room, and it's, like, it should be said it's raining, like, there's lightning flashing, it's all dark. And uh, these two guys attack him in the hotel room. And this was pretty good, as far as action scenes go. Like, I mean, it's mostly Chuck Norris, like, throwing these guys over his shoulder, but... You know, um, they're attacking him. He's fighting him off while we keep cutting back to Jackson on the phone. So I, I thought this was a pretty solid scene. Jackson, meanwhile, he's down there. He's talking to the captain, and he's giving her this whole bullshit of, oh, Shadow misses you. He talks about you. 
He's feeling sick. Um, <laughs> well, Jackson goes to go up to the hotel room, but uh, he gets conked over the head. Or does he get punched? I can't remember. He gets just kind of like knocked out a little by Krieger. Yeah, Krieger pops out, beats him up, you know, knocks him out, stuns him, and he grabs the scepter and runs off. Well, meanwhile, Chuck Norris is taking care of his two assailants um, inside the hotel room, and Jackson walks in. You know, they're like, oh, what the hell's going on? Jackson, like, well, Krieger knocked me out and took the scepter. So they're like, all right, let's go get Krieger. And uh, here we get what should be a pretty good horror scene, and it sort of is. So Krieger, we cut the Krieger back at his place, and he walks in, he takes the scepter piece, he sticks it inside a lockbox and locks it. Well, Pro Satanos pops up, and he's all like, ah, Krieger, I'm disappointed in you. You keep failing me with the fake items. And we get this one really good shot, Cordell. I will give credit where... uh, Pro Satanos disappears and then appears behind Krieger and uh, he's like framed with these horns over his head. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. That's a cool shot. That's a good shot. But he's basically like, Krieger, you fucked up. Like, I. And help me out here, Cordell. Cause, so is the scepter head, is that a fake or not? Yes. What is Pro Satanos pissed off about? Yeah. The, the scepter head that. Krieger has that was um, up until this point that was a fake because the next kill that we see after this of another holy man that's the real scepter head okay okay but oh okay yeah I got it but the scepter head that Krieger has is a forgery well so pro satanos he's basically like I'm pissed off at you, Krieger. You're going to die. And uh, Ooh, I am. And he gets that demonic voice. His eyes go all fish, fish-like or whatever the hell it is. Well, he picks uh, Krieger up. And we. C- I'm so disappointed in this, Cordell. We cut to this, the, this statue that's got, like, all these spikes coming out of it. And you're like, okay, we know where this is going. Yeah, and all we really get is the lightning flashes and we see... A silhouette of Prosotanos lifting Krieger up and throwing him to the ground. Yeah, we, we don't get any gore. Uh, we don't get anything like that. But yeah, Prosotanos fucks Krieger up. But he, th- he threw him on something because when we see Krieger next, he was impaled on some type of horn. It, it is that statue, I think. I'm pretty sure. I know. We just never, like... Yeah, it's like where's where's the effects here? Um it, it's bad. It's how this was cut, how it was put together. Like I said, they really blew the money on some of that earlier stuff because what we get after this is just not it does not live up to what we started out with. No, and the next kill is the epitome of that. Oh, my God. So so Jackson and Shatter, they roll up to Krieger's place, and they're, like, you know, looking around. They find Krieger. He's impaled. And, I mean, you know, it's he's just impaled. It's not that impressive. <laughs> but I did like that Prosotanos put that weird mask over him. Yeah, that was kind of cool. And we get, like, some cool shots of the lightning flashing on that mask, too, earlier. Um. 
and I'm trying to think uh, Cordell. So then we cut to the next day. Yes, yes. So we cut to Jackson and Shatter on the next day. And once again, we get some comedy where Jackson's like, I'm starving. I, I think the man hasn't eaten for 48 hours now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, uh, you know, uh, Chuck Norris is finally like, all right, we're going to eat first. So we get this, like, shot of them with all the food getting put in front of them. And it, it does look pretty good, not going to lie. Um, and somehow Busy comes back at this point. Well, Chuck Norris, he's outside the restaurant, and he sees Bezzy and his other friend pulling the same old scam on another, this fat American tourist. Oh, Bezzy and the guy get into a fight. The guy's in the middle of them, just like Jackson was. And, you know, Bezzy goes running off. Well, Chuck Norris grabs him. He's like, that guy an American? <laughs> and he basically is just like the Bezzy. He's like, you know, give the guy his wallet back. And, you know, I guess Bezzy's learned his lesson because he goes over. He's like, oh, sir, you dropped your wallet. And the guy's like, oh, good to see a young man who's honest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, that's it. So so Shatter told Jackson, I guess while they were waiting on their food, he's like, you know, go find out if anyone can translate um, what this location is, which I think they got from Krieger's place the night before. Um. Well, you know, he's like Jackson and Shatter are talking about. I forget what the place is called. Do you remember Cordell and Jazeera or something like that? Something along that. At this point, at this point, I was, you know, I usually watch this movie just to watch it and enjoy it. But for this one to really sit down, I really found my attention waning at this point because it was like, wow, at the end of the day, this movie is not put together that good. Dude, I'm not going to lie to you. I almost fell asleep a couple times. <laughs> I'm really not going to lie to you. <clears throat> um, well, anyway, uh, Bezzy, they mentioned the name and Bezzy's still around. So he's like, oh, yeah, I know where that is. You know, that's some ancient place, some, you know, some ruins. So he's <laughs> like, I can take you there. <clears throat> but it's a long way. So they they throw him in the car and we get the comedy of Jackson being like, but our food's getting cold. <laughs> so oh, they roll up to uh, another ancient temple out in the desert. What, Cordo? I said this poor man cannot get a bite in edgewise. <laughs> I know. He's wasting away on camera. So they roll up to this uh, other ancient temple. They leave Bezzy in the car, and Jackson and Shatter uh, walk down to this, like, altar with all these candles. And uh, another holy man pops out. And uh, he starts kind of talking about the lore. Basically, all that stuff we heard in the opening credits scroll, he basically tells them, you know, he's like, oh, the son of Satan and the scepter and And all the lore. This is where they really find out exactly who Prosatanos is. Yeah, he tells them this guy is an emissary of Satan. And, you know, we've been hiding the scepter here. And uh, I didn't really get this, Cordell. Once he finishes his spiel, he just starts kind of like wailing and like wanders off. Yeah, well, the thing is, he's blind. He's a he's a blind holy man. Um, because if you notice, he carries a walking stick with him, and he uses it to kind of see where he's going. 
Yeah, okay. Um, but he tells Frank and he tells Frank and Calvin to leave, and we follow him down to the oh, I think it's like a basement or something to a chest that has a hidden compartment, and he opens it up, and we get a really cool shot here before he. Before we, uh, we, before he opens up the hidden compartment, we get a really cool shot of Prosatanos. He appears like high above the camera on like a walkway, with the like just all this light around him, and he's just kind of like standing there. Do you know the shot that I'm talking about? Yeah, we we do get a bunch of cool atmospheric Prosatanos shots like that in this movie. Um. The- we get this really cool shot of Prosatanos and the holy man, he's down in the basement and he, this is, uh, he opens up a secret compartment. It pulls out a box and inside that box is the real scepter head. But unfortunately for him, Prosatanos pops in and we get the, like his hands like appear over the holy man's. And, uh, we get another non-kill because he's going to take the holy man and fuck him up off camera. Yeah, all we get is, is like a scream. So Jackson and Shatter, they're running out to the car when they hear the scream. So they rush back in. And yeah, like you said earlier, I mean, all we see is the holy man. He's got some blood around his head. And, you know, it's like every time Jackson sees a body, he's like, oh, it's like. That's not, that's not gory, that's not evocative, it's just a dude with some blood on his face. Yeah, very, very disappointing, to be quite honest. It, I will say this, though, Prostatanos likes to make a mess, because for some reason, he 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 throws these people around. Yeah, no, he, he fucks them up, we just, we don't see it. Just gone. The whole room is just destroyed. So, so, Jackson, so Jackson and Shatter, they peel on out of there with the kid. Um, they go back to the city. They drop the kid off, kick him out of the car. Um, and this is where the uh, Shadow gets the bright idea. Let's break into a cop shop. <laughs> yeah, and they walk up and they're like, all right, we're going to break into the Israeli police station. <laughs> and we get some drama, you know, where like Jackson's like, you've been screwing with me this whole time. And now you want to break into a police station? Like, why don't you trust me? And, uh, you know, Shatter just does the... Yeah, he, he says something You wouldn't about, be my partner if I didn't trust you. No, uh, it wasn't about trust. It was about respect. Yeah. He says, you know, I deserve some respect. And Shatter goes, if I didn't respect you, you wouldn't be my partner. And then this part is wild, Cordell. This is this blew my mind because they, they climb in through a window. They bust into this police station. They're looking through files. There's well, like the, nobody at this police station. No <laughs> night shift. Nobody. Well, the cop from earlier, the hard ass, walks inside and uh, Shatter's smart enough to like get out of the way. But Jackson's just standing there. And this blew my mind. The cop walks in and, you know, Jackson's like, hey, how's it going? Chuck Norris takes this cop and chokes him out. <laughs> this cop did nothing wrong. Well, he he only, like, 
knocks him out. He doesn't kill him. Yeah, but I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to have to answer for that one. <laughs> oh, boy. But uh, so they get um, they get the file. And I think the file's actually on the professor, right? Not so much the professor. I th- I think, from what I understand, Shadow sus- suspects the professor. But the files are like... All these not like nine murdered holy men throughout the world. Yeah, so like the Catholic priests we saw earlier. Because we, we get, get we get the uh, we get the um backstory that the scepter was broken into nine pieces, scattered between nine holy men, and in the files it's nine holy men who've been murdered. So yes. they all. So Shattered uses the phone to call Hawkins at the university and asks to for the um, travel itinerary of Lockley for the past couple years. And, and I, I, okay. it's, it's like the only part in the movie where they're actually doing like some police detective deducting. Yeah, but here's the issue, Cordell, because I don't know how you felt, but the next, like, ten minutes, it's all treading water. Like, the char- the, the audience is, like, 20 steps ahead of the characters. Because, like, basically, they're like, um, oh, he needs royal blood or whatever. Um, well, it was, like, revealed to us, or you knew that Hawkins has some royalty in her, but it takes, like... Five more minutes before they finally do like, oh, here's a picture of her with her dad. He must be royalty. See, I never picked up that she was the royalty until they got to that picture. Oh, this whole time man. I was th- this whole time I was thinking like, when I first saw this movie, I'm like, well, where's he gonna get royal blood? Like, I knew that Hawkins was gonna be like a damsel in distress. I didn't know that she was gonna be the royal blood too, though. I mean, in hindsight, it's obvious that's what they're going to do, but it's like, they don't set stuff up that well in this movie. No, they they really don't. So, they ask for the itinerary of Lockley for the past five years, and she gives them the dates where Lockley was in Italy or going to Peru or some exotic place like that. And all the dates matches up with the times that these holy men are murdered. So Shadow and Jackson, they start putting two and two together. And Shadow tells Hawkins that he'll come over and talk to her, asks him where Lockley is. Well, Hawkins puts down the phone and Prositanos is hidden there behind her, and he gives, I don't even know what he says to her. But basically, at this point, Hawkins knows that she's in danger. Yeah, she, um, <clears throat> he basically, well, he reveals himself as Prosetanos to her, because he gets the, the deep voice. And he's like, you know, you're going to let me ascend to, you know, uh, some higher plane or something like that. And we know we know pretty much Hawkins is in danger. 
I don't think point. demons ascend. I think they descend. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, Jackson and Shatter, I think they go to Hawkins' house, right? They they go to another dark house, and they're wandering around. And this is where they find the picture of Hawkins with her dad. Yeah, she's like her father is a duke, apparently. So they call up the university and they get some other secretary and they're like, oh, can we talk to her? And she's like, no, she left like, you know, an hour ago or whatever. And that's when Shatter asks, like, you know, who's the older gentleman with her? And she's like, oh, that's her dad, some duke of whatever. And that's when Shatter kind of puts it together like, oh, shit. And And Jackson, I like Jackson. He just has to hammer it in for people who still don't get it. Royal blood. Exactly. So now the chase is on. So Jackson and Shatter, they hop in the car and they speed off to the uh, excavation site. And we kind of get a retread. Yeah. And and we get like a shot for shot replay of uh, Prosetanos getting ready to sacrifice Hawkins. She's tied up on the uh, altar. I like I, I do like it. I like how in his demon voice when he says. I prepare to anoint my spirit with this royal blood. Yeah, like, the the voice is pretty cool. If they don't, this Prosotanos does not do a lot for me in this movie, but that voice is awesome. No, I agree with you. I think he's a cool. He's not. He does some cool stuff, even if he's not like. He's no Michael Myers. That's true. Um. Well, meanwhile, so Jackson and Shatter roll up, but uh, unlike with the Knights, Prosetanos, he basically hears as soon as they pull up. So they rush down in there into the sacrificial chamber, and it's empty, and uh, they're self-aware because they're like, this seems like a trap. But they go in anyway, and this is where uh, we finally, finally get some action. Because uh, Prosetanos' alkalites pop out, and uh, <laughs> did, you, did you notice Jackson has a revolver and he shoots like 20 times? Dude, like, obviously Jackson is not the martial artist, so he's just shooting them and punching them, or he's getting his ass thrown around everywhere. <laughs> but we get some cool action, like Chuck Norris is flipping guys, and um, it, it's pretty good, I gotta say. It, it, it did it for me, it was solid. I'm going to be quite honest here. The martial arts that Chuck Norris uses in this movie is pretty reminiscent of what he does in Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, really? It's, you know, the punching, the the kicks and everything. And it's quite obvious that none of the blows are like even landing. <laughs> yeah, I, I did catch that. And they just kind of put like loud, uh, like, effects over it but i agree with you it it looks cool if you're drinking a six-pack and eating a pizza and you turn this on this will do this will do it for you um so they take care of all the alkaloids um prosetanos pops up and i see this is where i legitimately enjoyed myself cordell is when when chuck norris is actually squaring up with prosetanos and they're fighting that's pretty cool I know, it's only sad that it's like in the last five minutes. <laughs> yes. 
And we kind of get like it, they do this like twice, or like so Chuck Norris like beats up Prosetanos, Prosetanos vanishes, they rush over, they start untying Hawkins, and uh, you know they're like, you know, what what can we do to beat this guy? Um, I, I, I like it. I like the second time he disappears. Uh, finally, Jackson makes himself useful. He kind of like kicks him over top of him. Yeah. And he, they get up and look and like, where did he go again? <laughs> so they start untying Jackson. Prositanos pops back up. That's where they do the, like what you were saying, Chuck Norris kicks his ass and throws him over Jackson, which is pretty cool. And uh, Hawkins finally, like, somehow realizes, oh, he will be undone by that which he desires or something like that. And uh, they realize, okay, we got to stab him with the scepter. Well, I can like be- it when he pops up the second time. No, he's like slowly like floating down. Yeah, that is cool. Like how behind did, their backs. How did you feel about that scene when Chuck Norris was looking at Prositanos and he just banishes? Like I mean, I, I thought like it was cool. Like it's one of those uh, like things you do in a photo editor where like you change the opacity on something from like a hundred to zero and it just disappears. I didn't mind it. Yeah, I was cool with it. Okay. I, I didn't know. I would, it's cheesy, but it's like the kind of fun cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what I thought of it. Um, I, I didn't really have any issues with it. It's just, it felt nice because normally in these movies, they disappear and then pop up behind you, but we never see them disappear. So it was nice to actually see him disappear right before our eyes. Yeah, no, I I agree. I thought it was I thought it was hell pretty cool actually. I wish Jason could do that because he just seems to know where to find you every damn time. <laughs> um, and then so basically, Prositanos pops back up, and uh, the one moment I did like to backtrack a little bit is when Chuck Norris did his like flying kick and we kind of got the like POV of it. Yes. That was cool to Prosecutor's. Um is is that what Chuck Norris is known for? I want to say it is, but just my it, layman impression. He does the flying kick. Yes, he is um I mean, he is a black belt. Let me look it up here quickly. Um He's a black belt in tung, in Tang Sudo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and Judo. So, yeah, he's, he's the legit deal. So, I mean, he is, like I said, we'll talk more about it at the end of this, but, like, I've always felt he deserved to be one of the more recognized American martial artists in cinema. So, but... So. Hawkins does kind of deduce that it's the scepter that will undo Prositanos. So Chuck Norris and Prositanos go for it, and Jackson finally makes himself useful again by going for Prositanos' feet. Yeah, he trips him up. And this was pretty cool. Chuck Norris grabs the scepter and he goes, eat this, and chucks it right through Prositanos, impales him. I, I like how... Prosotanos just kind of looks at it in his chest, looks at Chuck Norris, and then just gives this unearthly war. 
Yeah, and, and this is pretty cool because like the whole place starts to like explode. I guess is kind of the best way. Like the floor is shaking, and Prosetanos, he uh, he literally explodes. Like he just blows up. Well, hold on, we need to take some time with this uh, villain death scene here because I gotta say something. Um, take it. So. The room begins to explode. The floor is cracking. Flames from hell are spewing up. We see, like, one of his dead acolytes. Uh, the fabric and everything uh, just kind of flutters away and leaves a skeleton in its place. And you don't get a very great look at it, but we see through the flames that Prosatanos reverts to his demon form. Yeah, I... Oh, it's hard to see though. My God, that is all I have to say. <laughs> Big fan of it. Huh? It's oh my gosh! If you ever see the Hulk Hogan movie Suburban Commando, there is a villain in that movie who looks human, but like when something happens to him, he turns into like this mutant alien creature. It looked just as good as that. Where it's so obviously like a dude in a suit. And it's I was like, oh wow, this does not hold up like I thought it did. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie, the the end it kinda washed over me, to be honest. A lot of explosions. Um I did like when Prositanos finally blew up like Death Star style. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Just exploded in the fireworks. That was pretty cool. <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, everything just blows up pretty much. So, um, they grab Shadow and Jackson, they grab Hawkins, and they walk out, and Jesus appears again. <laughs> this cracked me up. We get random voiceover out of nowhere. Oh my gosh. Can I tell you, this voiceover made me cringe so hard. Because he starts picking up the pieces of the scepter so he can destroy it. But when the voiceover says, and so again from the West came a savior. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, they're literally saying that from the West, from the United States of America came a came basically america saved the world i cringed so hard at that i'm like oh my god (laughs) i thought it was hilarious i loved it and but this is where i really thought it was jesus he collects the pieces of the scepter and then he puts his hands together in like a prayer and looks up towards heaven i'm like who is this guy yeah, I don't I don't get why we had this guy. Like you could have just had the scepter be destroyed, you know. Like, maybe the scepter just melts or turns into um, ash. Maybe they were hoping for a sequel. Uh, who knows? I highly doubt that. <laughs> All I know is like what's you, even I I I don't know. Like what's, what's even no good. I just feel like, oh, well, we got Satan's emissary here, so we have to put Jesus in here to know that Jesus is watching over us. What's, what's even more baffling, though, is what they actually end the movie on. 
because we, we cut back to Jackson and Shatter in the airport getting ready to leave. Um, you know, Shatter's uh, S. Hawkins, if she'll come with. And she's like, I got stuff I got to do here. And for whatever reason... Uh, oh, no, like she said, yeah, she tells Shatter that she's got to do some stuff at the university, but she'll see him back in Chicago. And, and for whatever reason, what's what's this kid's name? Benzi Bezzy. Bezzy is there somehow. Yeah, he's just there, and he's really getting into a American sport that he probably has no fucking idea about. Him and Jackson are watching the Bulls game, and Jackson <laughs> rolls up. He's like, "Ah, oh, the Bulls won the second game, or whatever." And uh, Gosh. Jackson and Shatter get in line, and uh, Shatter's like to Jackson, he's like, "You got your wallet?" And uh, <laughs> Jackson doesn't have it. What's he say? He's like, "You little punk!" And we end freeze no, frame. No, no on- he 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 doesn't say little punk. He just yells. Bezzy. Yeah, we end on a freeze frame of Bezzy, like, smiling, like, grinning, running towards the camera. Oh, my God. It's, like, the cheesiest thing ever. Well, and, they, uh, yeah, that, that's how Hellbound ends. Oh, my gosh. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so before we... I guess we might as well... D- do this lucas big o high medium low or are you cutting your dick off at this movie all right so hellbound here's the deal here's the deal <laughs> I, I know i, I kind of hinted to cordell i think cordell thinks i might have hated this movie it's it's really it's inoffensive right if it's a late night like like you said it best if you have like a six-pack you got a pizza like you can do a lot worse you can watch Reichsfuhrer SS, as example. But, I mean, at the end of the day, though, this movie, I feel like this is aimed at, like, the, like, 12-year-old sleepover crowd or something Your like that. Your message right? was, and I quote, I'm going to need to bust out whiskey for this. And, and it's been true, folks. It really has. Um, At the end of the day, there's just too much of this movie is Jackson and Shatter making stupid jokes and wandering around like dark houses or marketplaces. Um, I mean, the villain's not very scary, but it nothing is truly terrible. You get what I'm saying there? Like the action is all right. Like the ending's cool. The opening of the nights are cool. The heart ripping's cool. This just kind of feels like. I don't know what this movie's actually rated, to be honest with you. I guess it's rated R, but it this is. is like PG-13 to the max, you know? But you also got to figure that canon films, a lot of their action movies were rated R because they always went over the top. But, I mean, at the end of the day, this is just like inoffensively bland, I guess is what I would call it. I mean, if, you, if you're up late at night, you need something to fall asleep to. Put on Hellbound. That's what I would say. So I guess I'll go with a low with our rating scale. It's a low recommend. It's all right. <laughs> and, you know, I went into this and I kept thinking to myself, well, obviously I'm going to give this movie a big one because this is one of my favorite Chuck Norris movies. And I don't think that's changed. I think out of all of Chuck Norris's early stuff, 
you know, I mean, he did a lot of movies for Canon. He did Invasion USA, Delta Force, um, the Missing in Action films, Octagon. But when I when I have to watch this movie and really pay attention to it and ask questions about how and why, this movie is really confusing. Like this movie can be very Oh my goodness, how do I say it? Well, it's, it's hard to tell what's going on. It is. It's nonsensical at times. It's mostly just it it's almost like a buddy cop movie cuz it's definitely definitely playing to that buddy cop st- thing that you would get in like you know lethal weapon or that, but this is no lethal weapon. This the premise is fun, is I think fun, you know, two cops having to go up against Satan or is, you know, lackey. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, they don't set everything. They don't set stuff up right. They don't, uh, you know, they try to have a romance between Shatter and Hawkins. They don't put enough time towards that. This movie is mostly just, you know, Calvin Levels just over the top in every scene. You know, and don't get me wrong, at some points it's fun when he's over the top, like it makes me laugh. But, yeah, at the end of the day, this movie does not, this is not a movie that you just want to throw on if you want a movie to think about stuff. This is, I'm probably going to put this from a B-level movie to a C-level movie. Like, it's not, it's fun if you're just looking for a dumb guilty pleasure. It is not a good movie. It is a bad movie. It's one of my favorite bad movies, but it's a bad movie nonetheless, so... I'm going to go ahead and from the first one ever on the show, I'm going to give it a low. It's, I mean, I I see the appeal of Chuck Norris. I think Chuck I, Norris is fine. I really thought I was going to give this at least a medium. Like, there was no way I was ever going to give this movie a big O. But just having to, like, sit here and, you know, run, you know, as you're running down the movie... And we're like going back and forth about what's happening, what's going on. I made me think, yeah, this is, I mean, this ain't nearly as bad as Rikersphere SS, but yeah, it's a bad movie. I mean, I can understand why Canon Pictures went bankrupt after this because, you know, they just had a history of just throwing money at shit that did not make profitable returns all the time. Oh, I mean, they bet big on Toby Hooper, and uh, it did not work out for them at all. No, and they were also the same, com- you know, and the, some of the movies that they made, not just with Chuck Norris, but, like, they made Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone. They made that Masters of the Universe film with Dolph Lundgren. Don't movies. forget Superman 4. Superman 4 movies that did not make back their box office. They did not make back their money at the box office. 
So, and Chuck Norris, you know, I the one thing I will give to this is even though we don't get a lot of scenes with Chuck Norris and Sherry Wilson, because I know those two from Walker, Texas Ranger, I mean, when I think of Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris will always be Walker, Texas Ranger. I mean, I was li- my mom Lily named me after him from that show, Cordell Walker. So, you know, yeah, Chuck Norris, you know, he's just one of those actors that I've always liked. He's one of my favorite action stars. In my personal list, he's an A-lister to me, but in this movie... You can see the appeal that he has with his martial arts, but I mean, this movie does not do him any favors. This movie did none of them any favors. No, I mean, and I'm at the end of the day, it's 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 bland. That's what I'll say, Cordell. I mean, it's not it, it's it, not so bad. It's good, but it's not so bad. It's bad. It's just like kind of like I said, it's something you can fall asleep to. <laughs> I will say this, Lucas, if you want to watch some of Chuck Norris's earlier movies, I would definitely recommend Missing in Action or Invasion USA or Delta Force. I mean, those are really fun early Chuck Norris films. You know, when I picked this movie, I thought, yeah, I like this movie. I'm sure Lucas will really like this movie. And then I walked away from it and it's like, I like it, but it just does not hold up the way I remembered it holding up. Did this did this get a theatrical release? No, this was was released direct-to-video. It feels like it. This was never intended to be released theatrically. This is uh, this is the epitome of like direct to video action. And look, that's that's not a knock, honestly. Like there's a time and place for direct to video action. Um, but I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, like, you, Death, like Death Wish 4. You compare this. Uh, I mean, this is like my gold standard for canon films like American Ninja, right? Like this. This is nothing compared to that. Yeah. So. I don't know. I I give it a low. You give it a low. I'm not knocking Chuck Norris. I'm really not. Like I said, he is my favorite American martial artist, but. Yeah. <laughs> so that was Hellbound. Yep, that was Hellbound. What do we want to talk about next, Cordo? Well, I was going to ask you, should we start... Um, we got Halloween coming up pretty soon, so I didn't know if you wanted to do some horror movies throughout September going into October. We could do some horror. We could do some horror. Yeah. Did you want to I know it's I know we discussed at one point covering the Star Wars saga. That would probably be more of a next year thing though. Or like an yeah, let's... Uh, like an after Halloween thing. Yeah, it's the fall. I think we should I think we should keep it in the horror or quasi horror realm yeah you know when i started this podcast i'm like i'm not gonna do just horror and almost every show i've put out at this point has been somehow related to horror (laughs) horror is where it's at my dude so 
I think the next movie that we will discuss on here is, and let me know what you think, Lucas. We're going to go cover the 1970 pseudo slasher movie, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know what's funny? I have that on Blu-ray. Never watched it. So, yeah, let's do it. I want to get the Blu-ray of it, but I also have it on my hard drive on my TV so I can just watch it on there. So All right, let's do it. Town the Jared Sundown, folks. So thank you for joining us, uh, everyone. And next time, meet us in a town that dreads sundown. Have thank a good night. you, guys. Take it easy.